Yeah, because this camera, I gotta watch it. Because I don't. All right, go live for it. Are we live? All right, we are live, boys. Finally, in the 10 a.m. hour, we are live with Morning Wood Radio and your guest host today, Jordan Wisely. He's a four-time The Challenge, MTV The Challenge champion. Also, really nice guy, supported the foreign United people. We got Jordan Wisely on the pod. How are we doing today, boys? I don't even know what that is. Yeah, yeah well, you know, it's an NGO that I started. Uh, was that the thing where you went overseas and did the Ukraine thing? Yep. That's Mr. Also, that's also yeah, did Ukraine and then, and then uh, I thought they had the Turkey um, earthquake. And so we sent people to that too. I, there's, there's so many things about you. Like Jordan <laughs> and I have been friends for years, but I have to stay true to the essence of our show. So our show is Morningwood Radio. We started out every single way. With wood. With wood. And I ask everybody, I'm like, what gets you up in the morning? What is that energy that you explode out of bed with? Um, you know, you know it's, it's crazy. Like, all my friends, some of them are like, dude, you're like a lithium battery. You know, like, <laughs> I'm just going, going, going. But as soon as I'm tired, it's just. I'm going to say. But as soon as the sun comes up, eyes open, sit right up. And I'm like, let's go. <laughs> and somebody asked me, somebody actually DM me and asked me this earlier. I'm like, what's your, who or what is your inspiration? And I thought about it for a second. I go, I think the fear of being ordinary. Really? The fear of being ordinary. Like, even when, when I was younger, people would be like, yo, what's, like, your biggest fear? I was, like, being forgotten. And, yeah. like, have never, have never have done anything. Like, we all get the same life, and you're not going to tell me that I'm going to go out and be just as regular as everybody else. I, I definitely feel the same. I mean, I don't ever, like, look. I definitely hate being the person in the room that blends in. Mm-hmm. Like, if I see everybody with a mullet, I used to have rock and mullet. Same. Come on, yeah. man. Remember those slow yeah, movies that we make? We were crushing it. And then we, were we, mullet, we were mullet boys before the mullets were in. I know. And then all of a sudden it starts to pop up. And you're like, fuck it. I know. I, 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 do, I do trends first. And people look at you weird. And you're like, oh, what is that? I mean, it's kind of cool. And then everyone does it. And I'm like, I'm over it. Ow, ow. Yep. Yeah, I, I feel you on that thing. Like, I, I just, one of the things I always do is I look at books of people that are just absolutely insane. And we're considered insane. But now they're writing books about them. Mm-hmm. Alexander the Great had taken over the entire modern world by the age of 26. You well, know, that's that's 47 in his terms. I know, I know. Dude, I, don't, I saw this tweet the other day, and it was it was notes from people at 40, but back in the day, and they're like, my body is falling apart. I know I will pass soon. It was like, it was like these things. It was so – did you send me that, Ryan? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was a meme from, I think, like little kids or maybe from back in the day, and they said, all right, what – is it going to be like when you're 40 years old and the kids are like, I can't get out of bed. My back is killing me and I have gray hairs. <laughs> oh, dude, I don't, I don't ever want to be in that position, but I got all of our great professional athletes of right now are all in their forties. Huh? LeBron Brady, that uh, all the tennis stars. Everyone's just like smoking it. Do you see Djokovic get smashed by that twenty-year-old kid from Spain? No, is that happening? That happened in, in the finals. He yeah, was, he was going for his twenty-third. Really? Made, yeah, the dude's insane. He's rewriting the history books. I, I I never really been a fan of him. I don't know why. No, no. As a sportsman, we're not a fan of him because he's like. You know, he's dry. Kind of dork. Yeah, yeah, he's dry. And he's, he's like, like, and he plays a dorky sport. He wrote a book about not eating gluten. I was like, that's the worst fucking biography ever. So, so what? It was, a, it was a whole book of just blank cardboard pages. Yeah, it felt like that. Yeah, yeah, like Andre Agassi's book is. Like, I'm gonna write a book about keto. Yeah, dude. I, I mean, the thing is, he seller. Andre Agassi like wrote a book about like. Married to being married to supermodels and running in the desert in Vegas in the hot sun and doing drugs and shit and just like fucking going to war and being the outlier. 
And then, you know, Djokovic is like, I don't like eating gluten. Yeah, and you know, I like I don't I have nothing against like when I say like tennis is like a, a dorky sport, it's not because the, the the sport of tennis is, but it's the culture that's been cultivated cultivated around it, right? Like tennis, golf, gymnastics, all these things. I think but it's every change that. Yeah, I know, but every now and then that's where I'm going with this is every now and then you get people that come in like Agassi and like uh Federer and these guys who are like exciting. McElroy. McElroy, the the Williams sisters, like they're exciting to watch and they turn it into a sport. Yeah. When you look at these like white collar sports, is what I call them, it, like it's so vanilla the whole time okay. until you get a real athlete in there and that just breaks the whole thing down, turns it on its head, and then they get mad because somebody came from the outside and is dominating. I've said this a lot, and you can you know neglect it, hate it, whatever you want. I think tennis at the highest level is the hardest sport in the world. Mm, you know, just hear my metrics out here. Just hear me out, yeah. and then we'll, well, this is a conversation now. So endurance-wise, some of these guys are playing like they, I think it was a five-hour match in the finals, and mm-hmm. those guys won. And it's always in the hot sun, mm-hmm. like it's always in the dead center of the day in the heat. And then it's the mono a mono factor. So imagine like a wrestling match for almost five hours. Obviously, it's not the same kind of tension, but it's mono a mono, high intensity. You're thinking about hand-eye coordination at a level that's like almost impossible to match because you're 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 serving over a hundred miles an hour into a box. Yeah, but look how far how far is it called? That's the thing is like look at this right. So you're talking about 100 miles an hour. It's really 140 miles an yeah, hour. Yeah, yeah. Life coming at you. But then the same thing. You go to professional softball or like Team USA softball and stuff. It's much closer, and that ball looks like it's going 120 miles an hour. So it's like, yeah, but you've got hitting a baseball in the majors. That is this is literally the hardest hand-eye coordination sure, you can do. But there's no endurance factor. True. So now you put the endurance factor on with tennis, and then you your put racket, your racket's also this big, you know? Yeah, I know. But, the, but I'm just saying, like, there's just all these multitudes that I just looked at it, and I really like to study sport, and I'm like, okay, like, what are the factors that make these athletes excellent? What are the factors that make these athletes excellent? And I just think if you did this average chart, like power, speed, endurance, agility, like all that kind of stuff, they're up there. It, it definitely, and listen, the, the top athletes that are playing tennis, and, and thing is, I love playing tennis, especially when I can find someone who I actually keep up, because the thing with tennis is, if you're in shape, you can make up for being a bad player. Have like, you guys suckered in pickleball yet? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Dude, I was, I was, I was a three-time ping pong and pickleball and badminton champion, P.E. Yeah. And what? Oh, as a kid. As a kid. And the final boss of that was Coach Allen, the P.E. coach, and that guy is Good. He cooked you? Yeah. No. Come on now. I mean, he cooked me most times. But when it came down to it, I became PE champion. Was your PE teacher a savage? Yeah, he was the wrestling and tennis coach. I can't even. Yeah, so mine was too. Coach Shaughnessy. <laughs> like, I I can't even imagine what PE teachers look like now based on, like, just the, the climate of the world right now. I bet you it's just this, like, blob of a human they being. Picked, they picked an English teacher who wanted some extra hours. Exactly. About a free period. Yeah. Our, our PE teachers when we were growing up were just these brick shithouse human beings. Coach Shaughnessy was the wrestling coach. He was like, just like, yep. he, he just, there was no BS. I remember we had a rope and he would literally just have us climb up and down this thing in elementary school above hardwood floors. Yep. Like, it's like 20 feet in the air. It's like, you boy, you're going to figure it out. You're going to die. Well, I mean, come on. This is, this is literally like an excerpt of like what we this field is happening to society today, right? Like we don't allow anyone to fail. We grew up 
being pushed to fail. Yeah. Right. Like they were literally like our, I remember just everything, whether it was coaches, my father, anything, they would always set things in front of you that were always like just a little further, just a little harder than what you've ever done because one, you're either going to fail and learn something or two, you're going to conquer it and be on cloud nine Dude. for the next week. Cause you're like, I threw a ball this far or I did this thing or I climbed that rope. You know, my dad used to, he had no clue what he was doing. He just was a fucking hard ass. He would take the car every morning at 5 a.m. and set the cruise control from 10 to 13 miles an hour and drive behind me or next to me, screaming at me and make me do a 5K loop behind the house every single day. Buddy, we grew up in congruent. Like yeah. If I had a bad wrestling practice or bad any practice, my dad would be like, yeah, put you up in the truck, take off. And I'd have to run home from practice. And then on on certain times when we were training for like worlds, like for wrestling, we'd, yeah. we'd qualify for worlds and everything. We'd have to run circles around the car while he drove the car. So it was like, you know, jog, 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 sprint, jog, 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 sprint, jog, 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 sprint. Okay, so this takes me into like, we got to really talk about Jordan and then we can get back into all this banter. So as you don't like to share your birthday, your birthplace, all these kind of things, based on the internet, it says you were born in 1990, September 15th. Allegedly. Could be. Yeah, I have no idea. Now, this is just a year. This is is like a watermark. It's not fully accurate. So we're just going to leave it there. Right. Potentially. I don't, I don't, I, I have an issue with birth. I don't, I hate being celebrated for something I didn't do. Right. And that's what birthdays are. All you did was show up. Your mom did all the work. Okay. But that's the birth. Being celebrated for being born is one thing. Being celebrated for making another year is the real accomplishment. Because you look at it, it is because because right now it looks like when I look around, I'm like, dude, I couldn't die. I couldn't just sit there and let myself die if I tried. The government and and the community would not let me. They would like force me to be on this program and force me to be on this, and they would force you to eat and they force you to live here. And like, just you don't live a middle lane lifestyle though. That's the accomplishment. I show up for people that are fucking pushing the limits. Like, I ain't calling you on your birthday and giving you the congratulations if you're just a moderate bitch. That's right. But you, and much of every single time I call you, and this is why we become such good friends, is every single time I call you, I'm like, what are you up to? I'm like, yeah, dude, I just got to be in a race car driver, and I'm about to go fuck shit up. I'm like, well, goddamn. Like, let's talk about it. So, yeah, man, you made it another year around the sun, and you're doing it better than most. That's the celebration. Like, fuck yeah, man. Thank you. Way yeah. to make it another lap. The, the celebration of life definitely, you know, does it. But I just, I have this thing on my birthday. I call my mom in the morning. I say, hey, mom. Thanks. Thanks for that work. Thanks for that work you did at 344 in the morning. <laughs> you know? What a mom. On a Friday. Okay, so you were born in Oklahoma. It's born a, in Oklahoma, yeah. It's a pretty defining state. Now, I was born in New York, and then I moved to Connecticut. I don't often tell people I'm from Connecticut because it's the softest state. Now, if you yeah. had to take like a, a measurement system here and rank the states in, in levels of hardness, Oklahoma's probably got to be top five. Definitely. De- oh, yeah, we're on top 10% for sure. Because yeah. it's just, it's just, so I actually, I just got, I just flew back in because we had a, we had a race back in, back in Oklahoma. In the home. Yeah, in the home, baby. Um, and then when I went to the, the, the down plane. Yeah. <laughs> when you come sweeping down the plane. Is that your guest song? Yeah, bro. Well, the, the play. The Oklahoma the musical? Oklahoma. Yeah. I'll give you guys one story about Oklahoma as we get into this. I was driving across the country, and I went through Texas into Oklahoma, and there was a pressure system from a storm coming. Oh, yeah. And you could see this, like, ominous dark cloud, kind of like a similar background right here. And it was just so thick and gray. Yep. I got out of the car to pee, and it felt like I was in a pool. The pressure system was so heavy. 
it was I was almost in like a different kind of existence. Yes, and that's just an Oklahoma storm. Like you guys are known for tornadoes, crazy storms. Although, although I like I was explaining to my friend that was that was with me. He he grew up in in LA and everything, and we get there, and we walk out, and it's like a hundred percent humidity, ninety degrees. He's like, "What the heck?" I go, "Just wait, bro. We're gonna get all four seasons today." Yeah, and and sure enough, a big old system like that rolled in, just black skies, so it went from being ninety degrees, dropped all the way down, and that's where you get your tornadoes and everything. Do you think that's a defining factor for you? Because you know, obviously, you're Mr. Hollywood now, and mm-hmm. you know, you're the face of one of the biggest reality television show brands. And I, I think a lot of people think being a high level athlete has to do everything to do with the gym. I think at the highest level, it's actually a really big study of psychology, of yeah. knowing your opponents and understanding them. Because you have to know what they're going to do next. Mm-hmm. And for somebody like yourself, like I immediately knew when I found out you're from Oklahoma and the, the path that you had come from to where you are now. I'm like, this is the reason why, you know, Jordan is who he is. Like Jordan's not like this genetic freak. He's not any of these kind of things. He's a psychological freak. And like, would you say Oklahoma is a defining factor of that? hundred percent. I'd add on to your, you know, like to be a good athlete, you know, you said you have to know your opponent. I think first and foremost, you got to know yourself. Yeah, and growing up in places like that, you know yourself. There's no, it's just it's a different way of life. Like everyone knows, like it's work. We we still run on like the barter system, and I know that I could call my buddy, and be like, hey man, I'm roofing my house, and come over and do it. Like, yeah, man. And you give kind of like the Amish. Give a give him a case of beer, you know. And we're sitting on a hundred degree roof all day and roofing it, and then they know, you know, next week when they call, hey man, I gotta dig this ditch, but say no more, man, we're coming. And so now we're, you know, and that's we we do that and. And it's, you know, in LA, in these metropolises, you can order everything to your door. I had no idea that you, you like towed your car, but with a tow truck until I was out of high school. So I went to college because the way in Oklahoma, so your, your truck or something breaks down, you call a buddy with a tow strap and you tow it down the road. Yeah. And the guy in the back is the brakes and the guy in the front is doing the towing. And then when I get to college, they're like, yeah, dude, you can't do that in the city. And I'm like, what do you mean? You talk, about? yeah. Like, no, you can't just like, put a chain on this. You best car. give me a toast, yeah. yeah. Like, and I, I didn't know that people called plumbers and all this kind of stuff. Like, we you you just do it yourself, and it was the same in sports, you know. I mean, we didn't have all these like fancy stuff, it was like you just go and you beat the crap out of yourself. Till this day, I measure my workouts not in calories, but by how much weight I lost, yeah. You know, like, because my whole life it was, you know, I'd come home, dad would be like, I, how was practice? You know, and you're like, ah, it was a two pound practice. Did you Not see much. how much weight that I lost when I was over in Austin? 12 pounds. No, dude, more than that. What? It was bad, dude, because I was still wearing clothes and I just hydrated everything. I, I bet you I was 20 pounds under by the time my workout was over. Wow. Mm. And I was, I was running with Giardia, everything, shit in my pants. Sorry for the information, people. But I, I'm telling you, like, it was crazy. Yeah. It was the X factor I didn't even know about. You think five of those 20 were probably just like poopy pants and then, and then 50? Doo-doo for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, for the dude. You know, uh, what's his name? John Wayne, they said they found 40 pounds of undigested shit in his body when he died. That you know that sense. distended belly kind of look that mm-hmm. alcoholics and like, you know, just pork eaters get? Uh, John Wayne's a legend, but like, you know, mm-hmm. there's a reason why he looked like that. I think all of us are probably carrying up the, what's that, Bob? Uh, I, I was just asking, you know, with that all that undigested food in, in your system, do you think because of that reason it's it's good to do 
a juice cleanse or or equivalent to or like a what's that called like a uh, uh, remember the master cleanse colonic a colonic, colonic. where you, you swoosh you all that stuff out nothing in my butt right now. I want to do a colonic so bad really dude we yeah, don't get the coffee colonic let's do this yeah the boys. I want to get waxed back there too. No, T Dog. I, I I I do agree. So like I'm I'm a big uh, pusher of like carnivore, like a carnivoristic diet. You know, like I, animal products, man. Like I I I love looking back at like where we came from and like trying to stay in touch with like our primal side because for as much as we want to like think we're this like evolutionary madhouse things like bro we animals it takes thousands if not more than that millions adjust. of years to get here and and this will be a tangent but i'm telling you we the way we evolved to be homo sapiens now is not on our own i think people came to earth and i think that they you know dude have you seen all this stuff joe rogan really dives into this a lot and they they, they have all these like authors that have found these subcultures that have you know all the hieroglyphic type shit oh yeah they just oh, show dude. basically like a storyline through pictures of things that were neat would have been impossible and they're like these are the influencing notes that brought us that okay, okay. tiny 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 little thing and it was, it was if we want a tangent like that, okay, okay. <laughs> go read this book chariots of the gods oh. eric, eric eric von uh Dine king put that in the notes right, right? chariots of the gods Chicken here here's God? here Chariots of the Gods. Chariots. It's yep. Probably. It's a nonfiction book. It came out in 1965. And it was it was this crazy thing because this guy talks about, he goes, okay, you look back in all of history. They all say the same thing. You look at the Bible, you look at the Ur, you look at, there's books that are older than the Bible that talk about religion, right? They all say the same thing. And they all describe the exact same stories. And if you look at it through all different places around the world, all different time all around the world and they could there was no way that they could the yes there's no way i mean you're talking whole different continents and they all describe these same stories now when you look at those stories in a different lens of like oh this god who came from the sun had things around his head you know and they always depict like a circle around their head with like things and there's also a ton of hieroglyphs and stuff that depict like hoses and things coming off of these gods well if you look at it in a different lens what is that it's an astronaut Oh really? That's an astronaut. It's a it's a it's an a, it's a it's a humanoid astronaut. And so the universe, they just found out, you know, we were thinking the universe was like 14 billion years old. No, it's actually more closer to like 23 billion years old. Right. So in all of this time, you mean to tell me we're the one? We're the one planet that had the right recipe. No, when you start breaking all this time, this is literally like science and and, and NASA and everybody's on this. There's when you break everything down, everything down. There's a possibility of a a, a very conservative possibility that there are over a hundred and eighteen thousand other Earth-like uh, places. Earth-like places. And you mean to tell me of all of them were the one that life developed on? Like no shot. So a big part of my human existence is I know the reckoning. The day of reckoning is coming. And I'm looking for a mate at this point to create that super child. So when they do come, they're like, send the best warrior. They're like, send Hunter's son. So this is, this is something <laughs> the like this. Is, dude, they're, they're, I need <laughs> to find my <laughs> super mate. And they're just going to be like, send the one. So, so this is, I'm going to. My seed will be the one. The whole super mate thing, you know, earlier you were talking about, like, you're not, and, like, and I, I believe the same thing. I'm not some superhuman freak of an athlete. I try hard. Yeah. You try hard. You push yourself and that's where you that's you get there. Granted, you have great genetics, my man. Thanks, babe. I need to hear that. I'm that I'm line not, is 
unbelievable. Exactly. I mean, he literally sucks his cheeks in all day and just clenching his drop. Mm-hmm. You know, we every picture, every picture is like this. Eyes in order to get that jawline. Do you guys yeah. understand that this right here is peak performance? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not funny when the guy's actually in peak male performance. Isn't that mean? It's not funny when you're actually. Yeah. Right. It's better. It's better when you're like Burt Crusher. <laughs> I'm saying that. Um, but like to your point, like I'm not a superhuman freak. I try hard. But you got the X factor, dude. Uh, yeah, my mind. And so, like, when I think about like having offspring or like finding a you know a superhuman to like have a baby, like I'm not producing superhumans. I just want to raise good human beings. So I want to adopt all the kids. I want to get to a point where I'm so comfortable and financially set that I can adopt all the kids and just start well, raising the farm next to mine and do it together. Consider it humans. That's yeah. what I want to the do. The next Angelina Jolie of crop of of. Adoption. The reality TV show. Oprah. Go. I think Oprah's Whoa. got a, a, a lot of, of She's got entire orphanages. So. <laughs> I think it's, it's, I've noticed a lot of day in the climate of what's going on in the world. I'll have conversations with people. It doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman. And I'll just ask them about their ambitions, like where they want to go. And it's often being dropped off, like wanting to have kids. And they're just like, I just don't know if the world needs any more children. And I was like, listen, if you're a good person, you have good values and you have like good ambitions in life. It's on you to raise the next generation of people like that. Mm-hmm. Because trust me, there's a humongous chunk of people on this planet that don't have even the ability to think like that, and they're the ones who are having kids. Yeah. And, but, you know, to that, it's not that I, I'm not worried about, like, having more. It's That's the issue is I want to raise good children. And when you yeah. look at the United States now, in the United States, we're the greatest country in the world. We've got over half a million kids in foster care. Yeah, dude. I mean, that, that's we can't We can't take care of what we got. And you mean to tell me we're just going to keep throwing some more out there and we can't, no, let's, let's take care of the ones we got. Let's get us, you know, right and, and make some good humans. It's tough to think about that stuff. Mm-hmm. So th- that brings me back though. So we went on this huge tangent, aliens, all this kind of stuff. You come from that, that area in Oklahoma where it's like very, very much this community. It's a bit mm-hmm. this mindset, this action, this lifestyle. Everybody knows everybody. Yeah. Now you come to LA. hundred percent they do T-Dog. Everyone, like, I could, I could walk, like, if I go to, I was born in Duncan, we call it Duncan, America. There's nothing out there but just oil fields and, and people, just a couple people. And I was born, and I could literally now walk down the street, the, like, main street of Duncan, and people like, are you Larry Wisely, boy? I'm like, yeah. Man, you look just like your dad. I remember back in high school. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, that's it. You got to get back there, dude. That's how, that's how it is. So you come to L.A. I mean, was that kind of like a culture shock? Because obviously you were coming this trajectory. And I moved to L.A. and I came from the East Coast. And it was obviously not nearly as small of a town as yours. But I had that shock at first. I definitely had trouble. And I'm a pretty easygoing guy and fun to hang out with. I had trouble with community here first. Oh, yeah. So I, I went uh, from Oklahoma. I moved to New York City. I moved to Manhattan. So I go the big old app. And that was huge culture shock. So I, I got found in a bar, did did the real world, and then uh, MTV immediately was like, hey, we want you to do this other show, right? And that's how I got to the challenge. So I did a little of that, but my whole life, I've, I've always wanted to like act, make movies, be in movies, things like that. And so, with, yeah, <clears throat> I just knew that I wanted to be out of Oklahoma. I didn't want to live on a gravel road forever. I love gravel road living, but I didn't want to live there forever. And I knew that you can go back to it. I can always go back. I I just wanted to experience more and like see what was out there. And like, especially at the time where like, you know, MTV and all these, these shows, you see TRL and you're just like, what the 
what's going on back there? You know, out the big windows, and it's New York. You know, it's Times Square. I was like, I want to see it. So when I did the show, I was like, okay, I want to, uh, I want to go explore everything. So I, I asked the producer, like, what do I need to do to become an actor? So just so we don't, school. we don't skate over this because mm -hmm. it's a part of the dialogue here. What was that moment for you? Where did you get found? I found in a bar. So I, uh, some friends and I had been at the lake. And uh, we, we we come in. In Oklahoma? Um, in Oklahoma, yeah, at, at Barton Coaches in uh, Bricktown. Who spotted you? Uh, there, so MTV was doing a casting call at that bar, but we like we didn't know anything about it. We, we just went to the bar, and they were there. Just boys being boys. Just boys. Dude, we were just, yeah, we were just at our table, like, doing a doing a thing, you know, and it was, like, a happy hour type situation. It wasn't, like, late at night or anything. Still daylight out, and they came over, and they're like, hey, you guys seem fun. Like, have you ever thought about doing reality television? I'm like, nope. So <laughs> funny, they go to Oklahoma to scoop up talent? Yeah. Well, I mean, we, you know, and on, on my root world, we had a, a linebacker from Texas Tech, grew up his whole life in Texas. So, yeah. you know, it was like Texas, Oklahoma. Um, Just so people know, what is real world? The real world is probably, it's it's the first reality, tele well, technically second. Cox is the first reality show ever. Love that show. Yeah, it started in 1990. We got to get it on there. And then, well. <laughs> Not the guys in Cox. As a lot of yeah. yeah. Um, and then in 91, MTV started the real world. And this is the first like reality show as we know them today. And they brought seven strangers from around the country to live together and basically just see how they get along. They obviously cast people, you know, they, they do personality tests and, and all this kind of stuff. And so they want to see like people are going to clash, people are going to get along. And the general, I've been, you know, throughout the years, I've become friends with the producers, the producers and production team. And I asked, like, how do you guys do this? They go, Generally, we try and find like three people on this side of the personality spectrum, three people on this side of the personality spectrum, and then we find like one in the middle. And it's usually the one person that's in the middle who goes crazy by the end of the show because and that was you. They're just trying to stay in their lane, and then like there's like crazy stuff up, and they're like, "What the fuck?" And then they just like break, and that's what you're watching. And yeah, that's what I like. Once I learned that, I literally sat back. I was like, "Yeah, I was the normal one." On my show, like, and they wanted you to break. We had three people who were like on this side of. They were just like, I'm cool, and I don't really like have that much ambition, and I'd rather just kind of like lay in bed all day. And then on the other side, it was like this like crazy outgoing, like looking for like drama in any way possible. And I'm just in the middle, like, I mean, I I do like this crazy stuff, but also I ain't sitting in bed all day, and so I was just in this weird pulling back and forth of like. Wanting to be crazy, but also wanting to be like laid back, and so you didn't go in there like swinging punches right from the start. You came in there with a mindset where you had to ride that middle ground. Yeah, and I know what's the safest place to be because I'm not very good at being safe. I'm good at conquering. Nowadays, nowadays, what's the safest place to be? That yeah. is like super PG, submissive. You know, like just so you can't like, be a champion in these shows being a type anymore. Oh no, I, well, that's why I'm me because I am, I'm so okay with like, this is who I am. I'm not going to change for you guys. You know, I, I get, I get like mixed reviews on, on the challenge because a lot of people are like, Jordan's too rough. He's too hard. Like the way he talks to people is like condescending and blah, blah, blah. He just, he treats people like this. I go, Hey, why are we there? I'm not there to be your friend. All right. Is it people on the show or is it people who are fans? It's mostly fans. So when, when I first started doing the challenge, you know, I, I came in, I was 23 years old 
And I come from a world of very competitive sports. Yeah. Every sport I ever played, we were on a national team or a world's team for that thing. And so when I went there, I was like, well, this is the same thing. We're competing and, and everyone's going to do this. You know, we're all competing. And no, most people are there because I want to be on TV. Yeah. I want to be on the show. I was like, no, I'm here to win. And people take that as like, oh, this guy's really tough. Like, I could be cracking jokes and stuff when we're talking about stuff. And then as soon as that whistle blows or the horn goes off to start, I'm going to talk to you in a certain way of like, we need to get this done. So I'm not going to sugarcoat it and add five more words to make you feel good. I'm going to say, do your fucking job. Yeah. And I'm going to do mine. And I expect you to, to come at me that way if I'm not doing my job. This is why I got out of team sports, by the way. I always had such a hard time conveying to people like, Hey, like you have a job. I have a job. Like one plus one equals two. That's scoring points. Mm -hmm. Do your fucking job. And I quit because of lacrosse. I remember these guys would just like, I'd throw the ball and then they wouldn't catch it. Like we all have sticks, like fucking do your job. And next thing you know, I just, I ended up in this position where all of a sudden that mindset and that approach just kept on getting me in trouble. And yeah. Cause they're like, Oh, you know, the, I think the general, I bet the number one thing you hear is like, Oh, you have an attitude problem. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's the number one. I'd be like, no, I think you guys just have an effort problem. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and they're like, well, this isn't that. It's not like, well, that. how do you get to the bigs? How do you get to these upper levels? You stand out and you try. And you look at the guys like Kobe and Allen Iverson and Michael Jordan. People don't say, dude, there was so much fun to be on the team with. People, teammates don't say that. Yeah, I got they say, I got you know what they normally say? They were dicks. I got kicked out of every school, rehab, team, everything. And now as an individual, like I'm, I'm very successful. Now I'm also having to like recultivate and design my lifestyle because I have a team now, like Alex, Ryan, all these people. And that's probably the most challenging thing I deal with. So, I mean, it, it makes me think of what you've got going on. You are an independent, obviously, but you are a big part of a big brand, the challenge. Like mm-hmm. that's what you're known for. Every time I'm hanging out with you, we're at a coffee shop. People are coming up and getting a hold of you, taking pictures, like, you are probably the biggest part of that show, mm-hmm. at least right now. Definitely, definitely one of the top three faces right yeah. now on the show. Yeah. Uh, listen, I, I, I'm giving you daps. Like, I, I don't know. I, I should study the show maybe a little bit better. No, I mean, to, to be, to give like a, I think my own like fair assessment, I am probably right now the guy, right? The yeah. guy to be. The only thing as far as like being the face of the show is there's two other guys on the show that have done it longer. You're the champ. And have been around, but I'm the guy to be. You know what I mean? Like CT and Johnny, like they've each done, you know, Johnny's on his 22nd show. CT's on his like 18th or 19th show. I've done eight and I've still won just as many as them. So I, I will catch them. It's inevitable. So what's that like? So there's a couple factors of this. Like I've got some experience in, in, in show business and competition. There's competition and then there's the reality aspect of it all. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's not really straightforward. No, you have to do everything in your power to make your mind wrap around the rules as if it's a straightforward game. But you and I both know that it's not directly straightforward. So how do you personally manage that level of intensity and also that X factor where it's kind of always a moving target? Because that's got to be really hard. The the production side and everything is super, super difficult for me to to wrap my head around sometimes the same way because of um, I come from sports where it's a set rule set, period. 
Right. On the challenge, we show up, it's different. It's a made up thing every time. And the rules are like kind of fluid. And I'm like, no, 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 they're not fluid. So I'm actually known for, I'm very tough on the segment producers and the referees of the challenge because even if it hurts me, I will literally give people points when we're playing games and stuff because I'm like, no, it's fair. They got that point. And they're like, well, it's kind of, no. This is how it is. I want it to be so structured. And, you know, when it's, when it's television and, and production, it gets hard, right? Because they're, they're, we have over 250 people on set every day. Like, it's yeah. a massive thing. So it's it's not just like, hey, you play this sport and be done. So it's super tough. I have to, I have to disengage, you know, sometimes with things. I Literally, my mom even knows before I leave for a challenge, she'll call me like a day or two before. I'm like, hey, just wanted to like say our goodbyes now because I know you're going to flip a switch when you're there. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. You know, when we're in the house and everything, people are like, I miss my family. I miss my dog. I miss my boyfriend and girlfriend. Who gives a shit? I don't give a fuck. I don't even call them half the time because I don't want to sit here and do this whole I miss you thing. I'm at work. I'm doing something right now. When I get back, we're going to enjoy our time together. But I'm here for a reason. I'm here to be great. And even if I get beat, I will do it in such a great way that you will all remember it. Yeah, my, my family and my and like the girls that I've dated have always had a really hard time with that. Like, hey, you remember when you met me, you knew who I was when you met me. Mm -hmm. And then they build up this fantasy in their head. And my family's known me forever, like born into it. It took them until I was like around 27 or 28 to accept the fact that like, Hunter's not going to come home on certain holidays. Hunter's not going to eat what we eat when we serve food at the table. Hunter is not going to drink booze tonight because he's going to wake up in the morning and train. And I'm going to miss the first half of the day's activities because I'm out there training. And it took such a long time for them to accept that. And I had a really hard time with it. I was going to say, what was, what was it like for you mentally whenever – it does something it, like even though they're little jazz and even though you you know them you've known you know grown up with your brothers and sisters and your family you get there and like you're about to sit down to, to dinner or something like oh oh hunter you eating eating this oh yeah oh you're not eating over you're about to oh, go for a workout today. yeah you know you're about to go for like oh yeah going for your third workout it's like no like this is what i do i'm sorry that you guys don't have this in you but it's like it's weird that even the pe closest people to you they're just like it was really tough. It was really tough at first. And I had to have this conversation with my mom just recently. Like my, I was home before the 4th of July and I was like, guys, I'm here now. And the day I leave, I'm leaving. So you guys need to respect me. Otherwise you're not going to see me. Yeah. That's just it. Like, why are you putting so much emphasis on the 4th of July? You have me right now. Like, I don't give a shit about the 4th of July. I've seen fireworks so many times. Yeah. Focus on the time that we have right now. Learn to respect that, and you're going to enjoy this a lot more. And I had to say that to my mom, and it was interesting. Like, she heard me for the first time in a long time. And I was like, I, I just don't understand. Like, would you prefer that your son be less ambitious and less successful and less happy about his lifestyle so that you could have more time with him? Because that's a selfish thing to do because mm -hmm. you know that I'm happy. Yeah. Like, I'm not depressed getting on this flight to go home early to go to work. I'm actually really excited. Right. You should be so proud that you found you, you created a son that's ambitious enough to continue to show up. And it took such a long time for them to accept that. Isn't that weird how we can like they they set you up, they set you up to to be this successful thing, right? But then like once you break a certain ceiling, it's like they stop there and they can't understand what's happening or what it takes to like continue doing this thing. 
I literally ran into this exact same thing that you were talking about. Like just, I had to have this like very important conversation with my mom and stuff. Cause I'm like, do my schedule. I think I've been in the, in this, in this year, in 2023, I, I've, I've stayed at my house in my bed probably six or seven weeks out of the year so far because yeah. every, and you know, it, you, how many times do you hear me out? I'm like, oh, I'm in a race here. Or I'm filming here, shooting in Croatia. I'm just, you know, it, it, that's just kind of the kind of year it's been. And my my mom and family and everything, they were like, hey, are you going to be able to come home for, um, you know, your niece's two-year-old birthday party? Yeah. And I was like, I'm filming a movie in Boston that weekend. And they're like, well, you know, you should make time for it. Ah, oh, that's the first line. I go, guys, I've been home because we I'm racing. I'm, I'm doing uh, some local series, racing series in Oklahoma. So I've been flying in. I'm like, guys, I'm flying in for like four or five days at a time. on the Like, we, you literally just saw me two weeks ago. And it was the same thing. It's like you, we have each other then. Like, why is this day more important? It's like we were together now. And I literally had to break down for my mom. I was like, Mom, I, I have dreams. I have wants. I have things that I'm working towards as well. And I know that you guys are just in a different place, and your your things look different. And I, but I'm over here chasing this thing that it it requires me. It's not a nine to five. Have you seen the most recent Arnold uh, documentary? No, but I keep I keep it keeps getting suggested. I'd like to watch it. Well, you can it's just a big part of it. You really you keep on going back to the fact that he had this big separation between his family. Like he never felt he was fully understood. And later on in his life, his mom really started to become a big factor. She started to come in. She started to respect him and really like love him. And it may just take time for people to understand that. The one thing that I always want to put first and foremost into my life is that when people do see me, they're proud and they're excited and they're like available. Like they're it's not just like oh, there's Hunter again. Like, God, that's, it feels so great to spend time with him and witness what he's doing. And I'm not doing it for them. I'm doing it for myself. But there's never a time that I show up at the table that I don't have something interesting to bring mm-hmm. and valuable. And, and I also, one of my, Inky one of my, like, my love language is acts of service. Well, the biggest issue is our audience. Yeah, yeah, play the video and then I'll I actually have a video ready to roll, um, sponsored by Builder Hydro. You're going to run the audio? Oh, what is this? Oh, heck yeah. Got a little video for you. Oh, look at that dork. Is this us? Yeah, this is our, this is our, this is our Big Bear run. Okay. Remember, I mean, the whole time I was like, what do I do? That was a great day. So much fun, dude. So much fun. Oh, I got poor Kyle. Yeah, dude. I felt so. I'm not going to lie. Kyle, I think, is probably going to be the most ready for this event of anybody. For starvation? Yeah. What's that? Sweating? Look at that. Okay, I've, I've gone through. Hey, guys, anybody who's on the show who's uh, watching this right now, can you guys comment and see if you guys still have the echo? We had to readjust things, and that's why we just played that little video, and we're sorry that it wasn't going so well. Um, sorry for the pause, dude. No, 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 no. We're still like becoming more professional about this You're thing. And, yeah, we're back. We're back. Uh, I was just going to get right back to the notes. So basically we understand where you came from and like what you're doing now. I think it's always really important to kind of go back and try to understand how it started for somebody. And one of the big people you always talk about is your dad mm-hmm. and you know, that a lot of dads in our position are full of just like piss and vinegar and you yep. know, you it's very hard to be a part of when it's happening. And then you have this immense level of respect for it later. Yeah. Yeah. My, you know what? It's 
my my father was always such a conversation because uh, I tell people he was an amazing coach. Yeah, buddy, he turned me into a machine. And like I said, and I, you know, when I earlier we were talking about if I had a bad practice or something, I'd have to like run home. Yeah, it's five or six miles home, and this isn't like high school, Jordan. This is sort of like elementary and middle school, Jordan. Yeah, you know, I'd be ten Get your shit together, ten boy. years old. You'd be like, no, nah, you dicking off all class. You're goofing off, you know, all, all practice, whatever. No, take go ahead, put your gear in the truck. You can start running. Yeah. And they and he follows you on. Here's the thing. He turned me the the work ethic and the knowledge that I got. My father owns a construction company. So he was a radiologist for the first 16 years of my life. Yeah. And then he comes home and he's like, no, nah, I'm tired of dealing with doctors. They're all know-it-all dicks. I'm like, sure, don't you? But he was like, I know I'm just going, I'm going back to what I know. I'm going back to construction. He did, he's been doing concrete and construction his whole life. So I grew up from, you know, from 14, 15, 16 years old, I was working construction. With your dad. Yeah. With, with dad. And, and even, even before that, I mean, I was pouring concrete when I was eight years old because, you know, my dad didn't start a company, his own company until later, but he still did all of his own. We built our own house. We built our own pool. We did it. We poured our own driveways and it was my dad and his two kids out there like doing that. We, they'd have concrete trucks pull up and they're like where's all your help and he's like right there yeah and they're like, okay but it, you know and so he 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 turned me into an amazing like person like that he and now when i'm working with people he was always big so my dad had this saying uh see it do it teach it you should be able to learn something that fast you should be able to see someone do something now mimic what they did do it and after you've done it once you should know enough about it that you can teach it to the next person and if you didn't pick up on things that fast for him it was, you know, you got it. You was you. You're stupid. You're this. You're that. So it was. It was this weird thing of he pushed you to be great, but it was such a weird, not a weird way. It was such a hard way to do it. And I yeah. understand that. That's what they got. You know, that's what they got growing up. My dad didn't come to my graduation. I wouldn't let him. Really? Nope. But that was, was that your decision. Yeah, it was my decision. Why? At the I time, just, you just hated him. Yeah. 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 I mean, I was. Interestingly enough, like I graduated high school, a below average student and just above average athlete. And like, I wasn't like state the champion or anything. Attitude? I, I, attitude. I thought I had it all figured out. I was just mm -hmm. pulled piss of vinegar, had been arrested a bunch of times. My dad had started to lay the mold for what I am now. And then like over the next decade, I had to pour like hot steel into it through my own ambition and lifestyle to make like the Hunter McIntyre you see now, but it was my dad's mold. Mm -hmm. I'll admit that. And I fucking hated him. Like my dad knows that mm -hmm. we didn't become friends until I was 22. And there's days now that it's like, are we still friends? Yeah. And I, I know that so well. There was from the time I was 24 to 29. Didn't say a single word to my father. Didn't reply to a text. Didn't answer a phone call. Nothing. And it's because when we got to a certain age, it was no longer the belt. You know what I mean? Just it knuckled was, up. Yeah. Yeah. It well, you know what I mean? By the time we were 16 years old, you were getting, you know, if you talk back, if he thought you talked back, right? If like in your mind, you're like, I was just telling you what I was doing. He's like, I didn't fucking ask what you're doing. I said this. <sighs> you know, when he'd, he'd turn around and like, and my brother and I be working, if we we work for him, work our butts off and obviously we're the the owner's son so we're working more than everybody he's like got us out there earlier later yeah. paying us the least amount and he'd be like oh yeah do this and we'd be like well why why are we doing that way don't you fucking say anything i'm the boss and you do what i say yeah. that's what it was in the house it was i'm the daddy and you do what i say and we're like why 
Yeah, it took years think, to pass that. What's that? Yeah, do, do you think it's better for parents these days? Because I know a lot of parents like they want to be their friend. They they want to be I'm the cool mom. But like, do you think it's better and you have a better relationship now if your parents are hard on you younger, teach you the morals, get your mind right, get get you in line, and then later in life you can become that that uh, friend to them. Yes, yes, and no. And I, you know, I, I've I've seen it done well. I, I've seen dads and and moms. I've seen parents be hard, but still be fair. You know, and I think that was the hardest part with with my dad. He was just so he's like, I'm not explaining myself to you because I'm me and you're you. And so to me, that that taught me really bad communication skills with people. And so anytime I, and later in like in back in Oklahoma, you didn't you don't. People don't go to therapy. People don't have life coaches. You ride a motorcycle. Yeah, dude. Yeah, you go. You <laughs> or you you create a man cave, and they go like men just go cry in the garage and don't let anybody see it. You know. Yeah. So when I started acting, I went to New York. And I started acting. I got in one of one of the best acting studios in the country, the William Esper Studio. And acting and and theater and stuff like that, it's very much so like you have to feel what's being said to you so you can convey those emotions, the real emotions. So were you too hardened at that point? Too. Oh my gosh, I got in there and they're like, yo, man, like you're so talented and like the acting that you can do, but you're not a very good but you're listener. Dead inside. Yeah. And I'd be like, what do you mean? Like, I'm listening to everything that they say. Like, I hear everything. And they're like, no, no, no. You need to feel what they say. But like where I'm where we're from, you know, a coach comes up to you and go, You piece of shit, what the fuck are you doing? You're supposed to do this and know that you're you know, you ain't gonna be shit. And then they pat you on the butt and walk off because they all say, and I know you've heard this a million times in their life, hey, if I'm not yelling at you, I don't care. Yeah. And so you're trained as as young as hardened young men, you're trained to to be hardened ass dudes. To be yeah, to be like, well, I'm not affected by that guy calling me a, a wuss or this or that. But in acting and everything in the, in the real world, you you do need to be affected by that. So for me, that was the first type of like therapy that I got to. And then I actually went into to therapy and and got a life coach and started talking. And the number one thing they always ask you, you know, hey, when you, your first session, I think, what do you want to get out of this? And every single time my answer is, I want to learn how to communicate better with others. Mm. Like, that's, that's the biggest thing that I ever went to therapy for. Because I always end up in this position where I know that my lifestyle is like a steamroller. And like, you know, there's a lot of potency and value to that lifestyle and that mindset. But then all of a sudden you reach this thing where, fuck, I ran over the wrong person on the path to where I'm trying to go. Yep. Or you're like, man, I, I, I yelled it this person like that or like i got i got really harsh with this person but in your in our minds and hearts we're like yo i didn't that wasn't personal at all i'm just trying trying to do it i was trying to do the job at hand yeah i love you you just you you need to hear this yeah Uh, dude it sucks oh man so uh, you know i never got that opportunity to like have that that like comeback moment against my brothers and my dad because when I came, went to rehab, I was a skinny little bitch. I came back 6'2", 215 from logging. And by the time I was like, it's time to settle the score. <laughs> I was I was too big. Everyone was like, no. The Hunter McIntyre's story is a villain origin story. <laughs> and I, they're all like, dude, we're over that. Like that's done. And it's really interesting. Like I stuffed down these emotions for such a long time. And you know, what's the weirdest fucking thing in the world. Like about a year, year and a half ago, I now have this like portal into my emotions that I never had before. Like when I watch like Braveheart tears will start coming. Crying. Up. I and love I, a good cry. I'm I love like, it. What, 
what is this? And I, I don't know where it's coming from. And it is if like all of a sudden when I wasn't paying attention, someone unlocked the gate. Mm -hmm. And I hope that all of a sudden in this like new chapter of my life that I become a better person for my environment. But it's hard to ride, you know, have one ass, ride two horses kind of things. Like I know that I need to be this world destroyer to accomplish my tasks. But then all of a sudden I have to talk to my team. I have to talk to my family. I have to talk to my girlfriend and I, I have to turn off that switch. And sometimes the lights are blaring, the engines on, you're moving a million miles an hour. And then someone who you care about steps in the way just to ask you a question or something like that. And yeah. It's, it's the hard change. Yeah. I don't know what was the what was the switch from you not crying at Braveheart to then all of a sudden click or I'm sure it wasn't a switch but over time what were you doing to then be able to like let those emotions in on a Braveheart esque type movie to where it's like you're crying I don't know I don't know I mean I I, I think I maybe... age and and just as you get older you 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 age you know I'm I'm gonna throw this out there I have a feeling that moving to California had a big part of that. Well, I moved to California 12 years ago. But, right, but this, this crying during Braveheart didn't happen just a year ago. It happened a couple years ago, right? About a year and a half ago. And But it, it takes the time. Like, we have to be around the, the like, I said these people. We have to be around different people. And, and we, psychologically, we do this thing. You can't help it. You start taking on traits and, and things of the people that you're around. And so once you're out here, when we get out of these small towns where everyone's just like, Nope, we're just doing the thing and and just living life and <clears throat> love my community. Yeah. And then when you come out here and everyone is so diverse and there's just so many feelings. I'll admit the men have different conversations out here. If I sit down mm -hmm. with a bunch of guys on the East Coast and try to like talk about something, I'm like, yo, so how you been? They're like, good. Yeah. I'm like, oh, interesting. <laughs> and then they, and then they start talking about what they've been doing over at Chuck's house, you know. Yeah, like, yeah we've been over there. Like, they, they've been barbecuing over at Phil's, you know. So we stop in there from time to time. But yeah, no, no, no. It, there is, but here, California, different world. California, New York. You know, you sit down like, hey, how you been, man? Yeah. Oh, you know, like this has been bothering me. That's what I'm like. Oh, we're talking about feelings. Okay. Oh, oh I can't do that in Oklahoma now. Yeah. And I, I, I but I, I would imagine that that does play a role in like what you're doing because we're, now we're seeing that it's okay to talk like that. Whereas if when I'm in Oklahoma, nobody talks like that. And anytime, you, you know, they're like, how you doing? You're like, you, you, they, they go, how you doing? You're like, you know, I'm not feeling my best today. But this is like, oh, shut up, pussy. Here's what we're doing. Yeah. Oh, we're going over to the bikes over here. And you're like, what? So let's just say we fast forward. And now you're in the heat of the moment. You're four-time challenge champion. You are the star-studded man in television, production, competition you're you're a very multifaceted man thank you the one thing that like, really interested me about you is because somehow i got brought into the environment of the challenge about a couple years ago like you and i somehow got introduced paulie got introduced to yep. me a bunch of the cast started just kind of coming into my world i don't really know what the like the kickoff well, you know you're no stranger to reality television as well my friend dangerous shark I'm a dangerous shark when i'm in your pond watch out but you know we we got coming came in together and the thing that was most interesting about you is i met all these other people made connections all interesting competitive fun people but then there was this next level with you where when the camera was done and the season was done like you know filming airing so on and so forth you still were doing shit in the real world like yeah. really really hard level and i think that's the difference between like I always say this, like there's 
there's like YouTubers, reality television stars, and then there's athletes. Mm -hmm. You're an athlete in the in the reality television show world. I, I definitely feel that way. And that's how I categorize myself too. Like when people are like, oh, like, what do you do? Like, what do you do for them? I'm like, I don't know ever how to answer because I'm like, I do, I do everything. Yeah, you but fucking do it well too. I don't want to say I'm a reality TV star because I truly it 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 is mindset for me. When I'm on the challenge, I'm not there to do a show. I'm there to compete. compete. The show is just is just a little bonus that you guys get to see how I did it. Yeah. Like that's how I feel in my mind. Whereas most of these people, they show up and they didn't start working out until they got the call to say, hey, you want to be on a show in a couple months? Then they start working out for it. This is my baseline. This is what I do. You know, for you, if you weren't competing, you would still be doing this because this is what you are driven to it's do. It's my soul. I, Everything. I cannot be ordinary. I will not. I, I will not be swept away in the history books as just another set of footprints, you know, in the sand. Like, no shot. I want, we do not get a long time. These, Why don't you think anybody else picks up on that? Because that's the one thing. It's I, hard. It's hard, Hunter. That's why people don't pick it. It's fucking hard. I just don't understand how people inside of your environment could realize that they're going up against you so often. Like if I knew that I was going to be like called up into the challenge and I didn't know you, mm -hmm. I'd be like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go find what he's doing on Instagram if I can get information there, I'm going to go Google him on Strava. Mm -hmm. I'm going to start typing in events that he went to and see what his results were. And I'm just going to keep on Googling as much as I can. I'll be like, okay, this is the data I've collected on this guy. Now, how can I do that? Plus, you know, another hundred percent. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to show up and I'm going to try to beat you at your own game. I'm going to watch video of the way that you were moving, the things that you said after you won, how you reacted after you lost, how you reacted. And I know it's all, you know, catered to the television show, but that's immediately what I would do. But it's a mindset. And your mindset is attack. My mindset is attack. Like, I, I, I don't do a lot of research like that, but my big thing is I visualize. I never do anything, even though I'm, I might be doing it physically for the first time. Yeah. I've done that thing a thousand times. So as soon as I, even when, I, even when I, I'm not going on a show, when I'm in the middle of runs, or it, you know, if you're not there on on the bike or the run or whatever to like chase and 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 to to go back and forth with, yeah. All I do is visualize catching them. That's yeah. all I do. I mean, that's a big deal. When they work out, they go to a Barry's class or they go to their CrossFit gym or they do their thing right, and they cannot wait to post a picture about it. My phone does not come out. It is very rare. Yeah, you, when we train, dude, you almost never film anything. I'm the guy filming. I know. Stuff. I know because I'm mentally. I'm in, I'm in it. Yeah. I'm not in a thing where I, where my phone and the social <laughs> media, I'm in it. I'm literally visualizing, chasing what bananas and chasing CT and in all these new dudes that are coming in, these ex pro athletes and all this stuff. I'm chasing them the yeah. entire time. I'm like, Ooh, just this is, this is mile grave. 35 of a final and I've got to make up this time. Right. So I've done the thing a thousand times before we ever get there. I'll give you guys some context. Jordan, I was like, yo, let's go riding. He's like, all right, I'm bringing my buddy. This is another challenge guy. I don't even know, remember his name. Horacio. Horacio, dude. This Amazing dude athlete. He's a, hey, pro soccer player. Pro soccer player. But I looked at Jordan. I was like, are you sure homeboy's going to be able to handle this? Dude died. It's a different, you know, it's a different thing that we're doing out here. But if he didn't immediately, I don't know what the guy's up to right now, immediately go home and buy a bike or just say, hey, I need to level up because these are the people that are in front of me. That's where the mistake starts. And I doubt that he did that. 
no, no. You know what? And I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Horacio is one of the best talents that has come into the the challenge franchise in years. The yep. dude is great. He's a great competitor. I've only got good things to say about yeah. him, but I'm just, what, I doubt he's doing what you're doing. But I'll, I'll tell you this: I guarantee he's doing more than a- anybody else. Yeah. He literally goes out and does these like three day hikes by himself in like Zion. He's like doing miles and miles and miles. That's I mean, cool. the dude does it. He goes. Um, he did the. The guy who the guy who started um uh, you know you know death race you ever yeah. heard death race out there he literally went and did he, he does like death race he does all that he went and did stuff. the spartan death race oh yeah oh shit oh, did he yeah. finish it didn't finish got yeah. super close got through all the snow all that kind of stuff and didn't finish and Fuck he was, that. i don't want to be involved in that i don't either but look what you did you put us in starvation it's the same thing so yeah we got to get talk about this so the next hey, big adventure hey, hey, that- before we jump into that jordan can i ask one quick can i ask a question of jordan Nope, moving on. It seems like uh, you get you get a good read on people, and I was watching a few of the highlight promos from the challenge, and with that mindset of coming in, of wanting to work harder than the other guy, within a three-second period of, of, I watched the one where you're standing, having to balance on like a balance beam and doing a rope pull, you yeah. and the other guy. Yeah. And it was uh, out of three, three best times. Yeah, and so within like three seconds, you realize you picked up on when this guy would pull forward or when he would move his hands a certain way. You're like, he's gonna he's gonna do a big pull, and then I release and pull him. Then he did it again. So with that competitive mindset advantage, it looks like that guy or, or maybe a few others looked to be more like, hey, I want to do good on the show and I want to look cool for the show. And you came in it like okay, how, how, how is the best way to beat this guy? So how do you get such a quick read on these people when you're in a, in a uh, head-to-head one-on-one competition like that where, like, I know he moves his hands, I'm going to get him. How, how do you make the jump that quick on reading people? It's, it yeah, the is challenge a, is the MTV thing. Yeah, uh-huh. and, but it's, it's, that comes from a literally a lifetime of being at the highest level of competitive sports. And it is unforgiving. You know, you could be on an undefeated streak for so long, lose once, you're now zero. Yeah, Real dude, that's quick. just happened to Djokovic this weekend. Buddy. I was watching a video last night about he was the, Kobe. all the talk before Wimbledon. He was everything, all these records and everything. Now it's the other guy. And now it's this phenom. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> that sucks. So I was watching a thing about Kobe last night, and he was just talking about if you want to know when a guy pump fakes, watch his back leg. Pump fake. I love I love this talk. Yeah, you, you pump fake. You cannot shoot with a leg split. You have yep. to shoot with your legs next to each other. So if you watch that, immediately know he's pump faking you. He's driving, baby. Like an average person's not going to notice that. The same way if someone's going to punch you, you watch the hips load up, things like that. Like you should know. I can't punch you square because then I just have to go like this yep. with my arm. Like so, if someone's hips start to turn, you're in a bar fight. Know you're about to get fucking hit. <laughs> this is so so T dog. Growing up in Oklahoma and Hunter, you, you know how this is being in like small towns. We got in a lot of fights. We got in a lot of fights. It was like we did like we're dumb. We're dumb rednecks. You know what I mean? We're like, what are we gonna boys. do? Let's go, let's go to the river and get in some fights. You know what I mean? We got the guys from Tuttle coming over. Let's go beat them up. Or the guys from Blanchard. There's like different towns, and like we get into it, you know, and <clears throat> being I, one of the things I think the country and, and and growing up outside of the city does is it it forces you to rely on yourself. And yep. if you do not understand, like, what is happening around you, uh, I, I grew up hunting it, from a very young age, uh, like, six, seven years old was going hunting. So by the age of, like, 10, 11, 12, Killed my millions da- of beasts. My, well, my dad would be like, he'd be like, hey, you've been out here long enough. You can go to that stand, you know, the stand that's in the south uh, pasture or whatever. It's 
half a mile or, or a mile walk that way. I'm 10 years old walking through the woods. It's still dark in the morning, got a gun and everything. And you, you start hearing sounds and fear fabricates the mind, buddy. And so I would be in, the, you're just in these scary situations where you have to count on yourself and you're wondering like, can I find my way back? Am I about to get lost? Like, do I really know how to get to this Southern pasture? Like, I don't know. So there are a lot of times where you're counting on yourself and you're really having to pay attention to your surroundings and your environment. Obviously in sports, you have to do that, but it's just when you're doing that in real life, it, it, it like your adrenaline is way up there. Right. And so I think all of those things kind of culminate into, I call it making game time decisions, yeah. right? You're doing it very fast and you're, I'm looking for any little thing to give it away. And specific to the challenge, this is something to be good at the challenge. You need to have, I call it an engineering mindset because when we pull up, this isn't, this isn't a, a sport where you're doing the same thing over and over with the same rule set. You pull up, it's a different game. You've never seen it before. And you don't get any practices and you don't get any retries. So yeah. you need to be able to look at this thing. And we'll come in and it'll be a contraption. Maybe it's like a crane hanging something over water. And I will start looking at this thing and start breaking down like, okay, those pulleys are going over here with this beam. Okay, so we're going to need to do this, 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 and this. Before they ever tell me what the game is, I've already figured it out. And it's a visualization thing you're saying earlier. You have to visualize it. Yeah. You have to visualize yourself doing it. I can make then, movies in my fucking head. Oh, Buddy, I do. I literally do. The hardest part for me is writing them down before a new movie starts. Yeah. That's the hard part. Uh, so do we got to talk about this? That rope pulling thing brings up a good factor. I put this in your no in the notes. You obviously had a huge injury with your hand. And mm -hmm. like that's one of these kind of things where if I met somebody, the average person, they would now all of a sudden like, I'm done with sports now. That didn't well, define so, you. So so I was born I was born with one hand. Yeah. And my dad was an amazing athlete yeah all-american wrestler multi-state multi-time state champion football cha you know wrestler and all of the kids right yeah and i was i was the oldest or i am the oldest and when i was born my dad my dad revealed to me he's like you know you're he the way he tells it he's like you know you're you're in the operating room and or the delivery room and the doctor you're just waiting for the doctor to say everything's okay yeah and he goes and the doctor turned and he said everything's okay but he's missing his left hand and my dad said, you know, he just, he thought of, he literally, he went in while they were cleaning my mom up, he went into the next room, the next OR, empty, empty, nope, it was an empty room. And he said, he just laid down on the bed and just thought for a moment, because in his mind, the whole, the whole time during pregnancy, he's like, oh, my son, he's going to come out. We're going to be playing sports. We're going to do all this stuff. And then in that split second, you're like, oh, he, he doesn't have a thing that you need to do that. So he automatically was like, well, we're not going to be able to do these things. And then he said, he, he sat up. And uh, after about 10 minutes and he goes, no, we're raising them the exact same way. So I don't know what it would be like to have one hand. I don't know what that is. So this is what I know. And I just know, go as, do as hard as you can this way. And people always ask me and they used to, I get, used to get written about in like newspapers and magazines for high school and college and stuff. <clears throat> and they were all, they'd all like all these reporters that were doing these interviews that all asked the same question at some point. And they go, how good do you think you'd be if you had two hands? And you know what I say? I would probably be a lazy piece of shit. Be like just everybody else. Every, everything would come so easy. If I, if I had the same abilities that I had, but I had two hands, everything would have come so easy that I wouldn't have tried, that I wouldn't have needed to try. But instead... I was always looked at the coaches, like when especially oh, like baseball is my thing. Baseball, you definitely knew two hands, right? Yeah. 
I would immediately, I'd walk on and they'd kind of see me like doing that, my glove switch, you know, and probably like, mm, yeah, this ain't going to work out. And I immediately have to be not the same as everybody. Yeah. I have to be better. Yeah. I have to be better. I can't. And so when I got went to the challenge, my very first one there and, and everyone's like, bro, what's like, why you, you're a try hard. You're a try hard. And it goes, no, my entire life I've been looked at as the underdog before I ever do anything simply because of the way I look. I go, so I'm out here. I have to be better than you for people to, to consider us good because no matter what, you've always got something on me. You can always say, oh, yeah, you're a gimp motherfucker or you're 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 a disabled. Hell yeah. Yeah. Enjoy being disabled. Oh, yeah. You jerk off with that hand. It's like, all right. Is that what that, that's what we're doing? All right. Enjoy second place. <laughs> the mindset thing. I mean, that's it then. I mean, like you answered the question. The mindset thing is the biggest factor. Tell everybody this. Like, if you look at me, I, you know, I've got some good things going on for me, but it's it eventually at the highest level of most things, we're all pretty much the same. It's the mindset. Yeah. I, and don't get me wrong. I meet people all the time who are far better athletes than I am. Yeah. But I smash them because they don't know how. And I would say they don't know how to suffer. Yeah. You got to know how to suffer. And, and nowadays in sports, in life, society does not let you suffer. They like they're like. Do you no, mean no, mentally no. and physically? Hundred percent, mentally yeah. and physically. And like, I don't mean these like suffer these like terrible suffrage things. I just mean putting yourself in the situation to be very uncomfortable physically and mentally. To put your like, bro, I'm so terrified of this starvation triathlon we got coming. I am spooked too. I'm way more scared. I'm about to go race this next weekend with some of the fastest cars in the world with some of the best drivers in the world on a track that like the wall is like three foot off the track all i can think about is the way starvation. we're going to be feeling in starvation and yeah. i'm just like sheesh so <sighs> a couple if anybody like we've been talking about the starvation triathlon a lot but so a couple weeks ago maybe two months ago, we were just like, Hey, there's this triathlon that Kyle signed up for it. And I just started calling everybody and Jordan and I ride bikes about two, three times a month. And I basically just told Jordan, I was like, what's the point of doing all these triathlons? They're always just like, you're doing like an Olympic or a half Ironman. Like, why don't you grow a pair of balls and do a full Ironman with me? That's what he said. Yeah. And like, what's the point of doing half of anything? So then we decided to like, you know, if we're going to start this thing, we might as well start at the very top. The starvation triathlon is mile for mile considered the hardest triathlon in the world. And we had the guy who was the founder of it, the iron cowboy on last week. And, you know, he's explaining James. He's a savage. It was intimidating listening to him. It was one of those kind of things where I was just like, he was talking to me and I was like, fuck, I got to try harder. <laughs> I know, you know, I get, I get the point, like, cause there's, there's like a point where I, I look at it and I'm like, are you just enjoying beating the shit out of yourself? Like, is that what you're doing here? I asked him, I you said, know, what are your demons? And he, he, too, yeah. he didn't have demons. He said, he's just grateful for the opportunity. And that's interesting. I mean, like if you're grateful for it, you know, I was watching yesterday, these guys who were doing yard work in Malibu and they were hauling bales of hay that were probably five times the volume of the size of their body uh -huh. up and down steep, steep, uh, you know, steep hills. And I was riding my bicycle next to him and I was like, keep it up, brother. And he had the biggest shit eating grin on his face. He's like, yeah, brother. Yeah. And I was like, God, he's just grateful. Uh -huh. Like this isn't a man who's taunted by the day and the work. He's loving it. And that's a man that's never going to really work a day in his life because he's valuing the time that he has, the opportunity that he has, 
fucking a dude. I don't know if I'd be able to smile in the same position. And same thing I, with the iron cowboy. I don't know if I'd smile in his position, but have my you ever fucking failed hay? No. Yes. But he like has on, on a farm and stuff. Oh, yeah. We, oh yeah. We we one time, go. one afternoon and it was God awful. And, and props to everyone. Yeah, that he, do it. Oh, yeah, like I could oh, get yeah, used to it, but it's fucking hard. It, yeah, like so we used to go. My dad used to send us off to Walters, Oklahoma, even smaller than Duncan. And uh, yeah, <laughs> more hay there. We'd have to go do harvest. Oh, no, yeah, way more hay there. We'd have to go do nope. harvest. And for anybody who doesn't know how harvest goes, there's a combine, you know, there's, there's a tractor that goes through and it cuts all the stuff up and it bails and it shits out a bale of hay, whatever you want, round or, or square, whatever you want at the end. And when there's square bales, you then follow that. Uh, combine with a truck and a trailer. It's got a flatbed trailer on it. There's somebody or there's two people standing on the trailer and then there are people walking beside the trailer and you are just constantly moving the whole day and you're just at a constant walk. You grab the hay bale, you throw it up. You walk to the next one, you grab it and you throw it up and you're doing it all fucking day. That's and it's all core and thighs. Fuck, it's hot. You're getting paid, you know, 47 cents a, a bale, yeah. you know, to throw it up there. And also... To your point, T Dog, it's itchy and everything. So everyone's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, just wear like bathing suit and and no, no you're in boots. You gotta jeans, be jeans, a long sleeve shirt, dude. When I was logging, gloves. same thing. Yeah, we were thick ass Carhartts, mm -hmm. chaps on top, boots, hard leather boots, and wool socks. Even in the dead, oh, like cool. the dead of summer. Yeah, and we're at altitude, and it's ninety degrees out there. And I just was like. At that point, it felt like a swimsuit to me because I just grew so used to it. And yeah. if you had anything less on, you'd just be destroyed by the planet around you. That, mm -hmm. Those were also like those times where they're, they're big like aha moments for me because it, it, it lets me know we can adapt to anything. Yeah. You know, like I, I couldn't like right now, if I were to show up and do a harvest, like I could get through it, but not like I used to. And that's just because I'm now acclimated to California and like what we're doing here. But we can acclimate to anything. And so I just remember that all the time. Like, hey, something's hard now. It will get easier. You yeah. consistently do it. It will get easier. I promise. Anything. Kyle just buried me in Texas. Destroyed really? me. Because he's just used to the heat. I oh, mean, he's yeah. also in really good shape right now. Mm -hmm. But he was like a torpedo. Like, he just was this undestructible force just cutting through the water. And we were out there biking and running. I was like, what the fuck? Like I'm in this little easy bake oven, like help, please. No, it's hard. You know, like we we do a lot of miles here. Like when you and I are on it, we're you know we're both up there at like 18 to 20 hours a week. Yep. And I would go back to I'd be visiting Oklahoma and I'd go for like a 10 or 12k run, and I will sweat out twice as much <sighs> on that 10k run as opposed to a 20k run. You know here. Yeah. And it it just it's heavier, it's harder. It feels like you're trying to breathe underwater. Soul sucking. It it is. It, it and then it, you really start to think you're like, am I this out of shape? You're like, oh no, it's the environment I'm in. Yeah, dude. I I so that's like a big factor of this. So let's break down like expectations and understandings for this race. Dude, I'm so excited because you and I have not talked strategy at all for this. Just talk shit. That's all. So we I really want to get we talk a lot of shit to each other. I really want to get this strategy figured out and what we're gonna do. All right, fine. Do you want to go first and tell me what you think is gonna happen? Um, okay, here, here's what I think. All right, okay. All right. We're gonna swim. Okay. What um, do you think? When do you think you're gonna get out? Um probably hour 10. Okay. Something like that. Yeah. Um, get out. I think the best thing to do, take a second 
chill. I want to let my feet dry as much as we can. So we'll wait on, you know, I think we've, we've, we've kind of talked about trying to keep the group together to, for a little bit. Yeah. Maybe start the bike together. Yeah. And then from there, we got to go on momentum. And like if our momentum's car- carrying us or, hey, even it's reverse. If it's that I'm dragging, like don't stay for me. Like you guys do it. Because sometimes or a lot of times it is harder to go slower because you're just like more time under tension and everything. It's like your body just wants to go at this rate. So let's do the swim. Let's. I'm going to not swim in my tri suit. Yeah. Because we have time. So I'm going to finish the swim, take a wetsuit off, and then put on. Putting on a tri suit's really hard. Yeah. Well, it's also, you know what I mean? We're, you're also like in a super tight. Listen, in races that are shorter than this, seconds matter. Yeah. They don't longer matter here. This right? is a when, finishing experience. When you, exactly. The main goal is finish. Secondary goal is we want. I mean, I know you're going. I know James has got that little 10K side bank going on. No, for, there's for no, hours. there's no way. No shot, no shot, buddy. I mean, hey, I, I'm all for it and good, good if you can do it. But 14 hours, I yeah. think that's a great goal for us. 14 hours. I think what what's cut off? 19 hours. Yeah. What's your expectation on the bike? 10,000 feet, 100 miles. I'd love to do it in seven hours. Yeah, I'd love to do it in seven. Anything over that is gonna really be. It's gonna fuck us for the run. It's just going to be too much time under tension. I think the majority of that gain is in two passes. Yes, it is. So we're going to go up, you know, like Guardsman Pass. I think that's like, like 4,000 like feet. Six. Yeah, 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 it's something like that. And then we go down. Yep. We get some downhill. So let's get a breath. And then the last 14 miles straight up, buddy. Yeah. yeah. We like do it all. Basically, everything you just did over. 80 miles you yeah. just got to do that all again in 14 miles so i've been picking up a lot of 5,000 foot days okay just and i'm i'm, I'm feeling really good I, I think the thing that like most people are not accepting is the muscle groups that are involved in climbing are so different from that of a traditional bike ride yeah you're just doing that cross section kind of pump people don't realize your hips because you're your back when you're yeah oh, when you, when you're, when you're in. yeah it's, it's for me it's like hip flexors and keeping those things safe because you're pulling your legs. You know, people just think in bikes like, oh, you're just pushing down. It's like, no, when you're clipped in, you're it's it's all torque. It's a push and pull at the same time. So you're really activating the fronts of our hips. So I think those are gonna be and those are those are smaller muscles. Yeah, dude, they're dirty. So yeah. now we're on to the run. Okay. Well, so here, here we're gonna well, no, no, no. We got strategy during the bike though, because we ain't just doing seven hours straight through. 15 miles an hour. So yeah. So but but fueling is going to be this is going to be our most important thing yeah. is, is being fueled correctly because I think the thing that will take, I don't think shape will be the thing that takes any, any of us out. It'll be cramping electrolytes got to be big or, or, you know, pain of some sort yeah. as far as like stress fractures or something like that. I don't mean pain, just like pride. Yeah. Right? So to, to mitigate that, you know, we finish the swim, take on some food. Yep. Take on some food, get some liquid in, or get some electrolytes going. Start the bike. I think on the bike, every two hours, literally stop and take on food. We're I'm doing need, gels every thirty minutes. I'm gonna do and sodium. I'm doing a bottle an hour. Okay. Of Jack, I'm not gonna feel any of it. <laughs> so I'm gonna do a, a bottle of fluids an hour, but every two hours, I think stop, get off the bike for a second. <laughs> I gotta tell you something real quick. Uh huh. I read this really amazing thing about this engineer who was on the Titanic, and when the boat was sinking, he he was in the the liquor locker. Yeah, he was drinking him, a ton of booze, and him he getting drunk. Yeah, it kept him warm in the yeah. water. That yeah. could be you. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't feel anything. I just do the whole thing drunk. Yeah, just, just, just pedal one foot in front of the other. 
I, I think the food is a huge factor. Sodium was a thing I think that, that took salt me out. Salt pills, of it. baby. Yeah. yeah. We're going to need salt pills on us. I got boa. I got salt pills. I got, I'm doing gels every 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I think every 90 minutes or two hours, I got to have something solid. No, that's what, that's what I'm saying. I'm going to say two hours right now, but I know that's going to change. It might be 90 minutes, might be two hours, but get off the bike. And because that is the rule as well. Like if you take, if you're using your pit crew, you have to like pull off and, and be off of the trail. I yep. know, I know you don't read the rules or anything. So I'm telling you now that's how it, what, what happens. You can't just take a bottle from like you, your crew. You can't pull up and it's not like the tour de France where you can like take fluid and stuff out of the car window. You have to get it at certain spots. No, 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 not at certain spots. You just have to pull off the road. Oh, really? And because, then they can hand it to you? Because it's not a closed course. I know you haven't read anything. It's not a closed course. I like so, to use my imagination. So, so traffic will be, there will <laughs> the be traffic. Will come down. And so I'm imagining they're not going to let you take on nutrition, do pit crew things on course because it, there will literally be traffic. So you'll be like next to a car on the road. Yeah. So pull off, get off the bike. I, I think it's going to be huge to like put your, you know, just get off our feet for a sec, take on some actual food. And then ref refill our bottles and then or swap out bottles for full bottles and then get back on the bike. So I'm I'm expecting Builders got all new bright pink bottles that say stay thirsty coming in on the 27th. And we're all using them, right? Yeah, all buddy. Right. I'm gonna need four of those so I can be swapping them out. Dude, they're gonna be filled with all the nicest shit. Yeah. Oh, I got my builder, I got my hydro ready to go. Very nice. So we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna fuel every 90 minutes to two hours, right? And then for the last 14 miles from mile 86 to 100 you cannot take nutrition from your 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 pit crew cannot go with you so i'm assuming that we're going to drop down to seven miles an hour that's going to be like a two hour section 90 minute section i think that that will be yes a two hour i think that last section will be two hours it's a ton of climbing and then we get the last four miles of it are downhill yeah so we'll get to go downhill into t2 um but you so can you guys need I was going to say, you guys need like a pinpoint. If you can't take on any, you know, stop and take fuel from, from your pit crew, you need to have like a, uh, no more, you know, after a certain point, we, we got to stop here. Like, even if we yeah. uh, still feel mile we'll 86. Yeah. Yep. That'll be mile marker 86 that we stop. No matter how much time it is in between, we stop, take on what we need. Cause for the next 14 miles, we're almost on our own. The starvation will have, uh, race control rule will have they said they're gonna have two vans in that 14 mile section kind of going back and forth giving that, out snacks yeah they'll give out snacks and, and hydration when we need it but high you, fives you won't be able to yeah pat on the butt <sighs> um, you won't be able to use your pit crew until you get down to t2 right and so then we get into t2 here i'm gonna change again really i'm gonna take off our biking stuff i'm gonna put on more loose clothing for keep compression shorts on but like put i'm trying on to get loose rep clothing I'm trying to get represent to send me. I had these special shorts made that were for world championships. I'm going to try to get those. They're like big, open, flowy running yeah, shorts. Yeah. And then I'm going to try to do like a very big, flowy top. Yeah. Same. Bright white. So for the run, yeah, white. I'd go white, long sleeve, flowy, because when that thing gets wet. Big hat. It is a nice air conditioner. Yeah. Right? It's like having a mister on you when that thing's such. And I, I, I work out already. I, like I said earlier, I, I judge my workouts by the amount I sweat. Right, because that's like my meter. So all of my workouts I do in long sleeves or sweats. Who's gonna be the pit crew to lube you up? Like you gotta grease the grooves, the grundle, the bee hole, the feet. Yeah. So so here's a little trick. In yeah. your yeah, in your in your wetsuit, line uh, coat the inside of your wetsuit with baby oil. Oh. One, it's easier. It's way easier to get on and off. Yeah. Two, when you take it off, your skin is now coated in baby oil. So that's nice. So the sweat and everything wicks right off. Nice glow. Ooh. Get a good tan while Ooh. we're out there. 
um you're gonna need vaseline the back of your neck before the swim yeah because you, you know we, we rub on the on the rubber of the wetsuit it's all i don't get any action up top or my pits it's usually just down here oh in the buddy beef, in the buddy. beef factory that's i made a joke about that the last time we rode when you know i'll um paul uh, was like talking about irons i go honestly dude the only thing i'm concerned about with getting conditioned is my gooch i know dude. to do a hundred miles i'm just rubbing that thing in there like just oh, leathery buddy yeah we're gonna come off the bike running bow-legged for sure okay so let's how talk about how have you gone to where it's like how bad could it get if you didn't have i've had best? bloody thighs all the way to my butthole yeah oh yeah like it, it'll be it'll it, like it a blowtorch bad it can yeah like i mean you, you just it just it gets raw and it's also you're sweating so you, the skin and you just came out of a swim a salty so grundle. this the but but you're you never it never gets dry right and wet skin is just so much easier to blister and and things like that and so you just never get dry there's bacteria you know in vietnam too. they're like change your socks yeah. same thing here here you got to change your girl i know dude but okay, that's, so, that's a big reason why I'm going to actually do changes. Like when I come out, I'm going to put on, uh, you know, actual biking stuff. So it starts off dry. And then when, when we go to start to run, start yeah. to run, I'll put on a new, you know, I'm not going to run in the same thing that we've been going in because I want to feel fresh. I want to stay, stay, stay good. Right. Are you going to try to do the white course or the black course? I have to do what the group does. So we're going black. Yeah, All been, been that way my whole life, black, bro. Baby. Yeah, welcome to my world. Well, so 26 I thought that was, was a stopping point. It's like if you get to a certain point and you don't make the cutoff, you get the white shirt. If you make it past a certain point, then you do the white course and the black course, then you get yeah, the black you shirt. To, you have to speak it outside into the world that you are going to do the black course or it's not going to get done. Oh, I thought it was a thing of like, are you doing the long or the... Yeah. No, or maybe, there's, there's, a, there's like a fork oh, where yeah. all the people can choose to go back into town or go over the big pass at 11,000 feet. Oh, so it's everyone's choice. Once we get there, they're like, okay, assess how you feel. There's like a fork in the road from what I understand at a certain point. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. I would much rather just be forced to do something from the beginning because if you give me the opportunity to think about it for about 102 miles worth of work yeah well that's what i'm like, saying that's what nah. we have to say it right now so we were out running in texas oh. i was totally fucked and we were gonna do an out and back three times and then we got going like two miles out and i just said fuck it we're not turning back we're gonna keep going an extra three four miles from here and then turn back because i just know that if i go back you're not I may gonna leave not, i may not leave again because i was already dead i was shitting on the side of the road i was like dehydrated <sighs> like everything was going wrong and i was like I want more. Yeah. <laughs> Daddy wants your sick, sick man. Daddy wants the whole pie. So yeah, we have to make that, that statement out loud. White yeah. course is not available. Yeah. I, it's yeah. Not. I mean, and that's, you know, we're going to do our best. You know, it's going to like, <sighs> the hard part is like, I, I hope we're able to stay together as long as possible, you know, just encouragement and like have that little conversation and things every now and then. Cause it's a lot of time sitting to yourself. Can't listen to music. Yeah, you know, like we just have to stick together on the bike. Yeah, I don't mind if getting there ahead of people on the bike and then like setting myself up and then setting them up and helping them get ready same, for the run. Same. Like it doesn't bother me because if we get that like 14 to 15 hour finish time for me, like the big accomplishment is not only succeeding in it, but if I finish it, I'll be the first person, the heaviest person in history to do it. Yeah, like he that, said no one over 200. Yeah, so I got on the scale yesterday at 198. So I'm back up to like fighting weight. I just need to keep on like eating a little bit more ice cream at nighttime to get it going. 
So I don't like that to me is accomplishment. Like, I just want to be like, Hey dude, I did it, but I'm also the bulk pony. Are you, are you going to do this? Like the, like fighters do where it's like, you know, the, the, the stat is nobody over 200 is done. So you're going to come in at like 200.5. Yeah, exactly. You kidding yeah. me? Yeah. And not, you're not, you're not trying to come in at like 225. Uh, you know, dude, I, I've got like veins coming out of every part of my body right now. I don't, and I'm leaner than I've been in a long time, which is odd. Cause like, I don't, I don't know how I'm sitting at 200, but I I'm there. And I think if I just keep on eating food and just staying healthy, that I'll, I'll be ready for it. Awesome. And you're doing, you're doing literally fat burning stuff now, right? Like yeah. you're like keeping your heart rate in that like one forties range for long periods of time. You're just eating that fat on you. Yeah. So my training right now is I lift in the gym twice a week and, and you're going heavy, really heavy. Yeah. So I'm using the the method that Mike Menser used, the high intensity version where I only do about two or three movements. I do like two warm up sets, like just get it up there. And then all of a sudden, like, I, so I put 325 on the deadlift bar today, put grips on, wrap my hands around and I did a max set. So I think I got 16 reps at 325 and I just was like, good. And then I went over to the bench press and I did. I did as many reps as I could. I got 18 mm -hmm. reps at uh, like 100 pounds in each hand. And I just fucking killed myself. Like this, this uh, like regiment is my favorite. You know, throughout the years, you like me, we we try all different things and like find what works. For me, that this right here, what you're talking about, works the best. Is yeah. basically endurance training most of the time, and then two days a week. Yes, go hard. hard. Go yeah. hard. Yeah, Olympic Olympic lifts. Go heavy. Go hard. And like, I'm someone like I can put on weight, like pretty easy. Like when I want to get big, I just don't want to be big. Yeah. I want to, I want to be a ninja, you know? And, um, like that's, that's the thing that I've found that works the best to be strong. And I, I like being the strong, strong where, where people are like, I didn't expect you to be that strong. It's like, yeah, you yeah, know, and like the, the density, that's what, that's what I like instead of just being jacked. I'm having this trouble, some ego, like ego like shift or rift right now myself where it's going to probably be my last season coming up unless something crazy happens to change it uh and i know the records that i want to walk away with and to really hit the records like i want to set the murph world record again i'm going to set the murph world record again i'm going to set the high rocks world record again but to hit a mark that high water mark that everyone's like how the fuck like that there's somebody up there I have to be lighter. I have to be 192 to 195. Yeah. But every single off season, I bulk the fuck up. Like I was 216 in January last year. I was just this yep. big, thick pig and I was bending steel. I was so fucking strong. I was like, yeah, bitch. And <laughs> it felt so good. And I, when I got to world championships, I was like, you know what? Great job. You won, but you didn't win the way I wanted you to. Mm -hmm. Like I wanted something else. I wanted some more juice out of the squeeze. So I'm what having this weight to be at. I I would be an unstoppable at 192. Like no one mm. would. I, I mean, nobody's got a fucking chance right now. Let's be honest. But the version of Hunter you're looking at right now versus 192 Hunter would just be a different world. I would just be like fighting like a regular guy versus a Super Saiyan. And I'm having that conversation. If I could just put my ego to the side for a year, it's all gonna happen. But I don't know. I don't know. I, I love, you know, you, I don't know. There's Some, nothing sexier than being a champion. I say that. I know. You know what? But to me is the sexiest thing is being an unsuspecting champion. Yeah. I love like when you look at like the challenge champions, also, I'm the smallest. Yeah. I'm one of the smallest, you know, like Derek's smaller, but like, 
You're a fox, though, dude. You're crafty. And that's fox is like the most dangerous animal in the woods. And everyone tries to catch him because he's the most interesting person to hunt because mm-hmm. he's the hardest person to catch. Like chasing a bear down is not that fucking hard. He's a big, loafy fuck. Mm-hmm. You know, when you find him, he's not going to get away. So just get him. Yep. And yep. that's the reason why like mountain goats are interesting. Like, you know, you got to go into the high places. And once you get up there, or like it's, it, he's hard to track. The fox, I was sitting there hiking. With what this guy, I love that. Uh, I was hiking with this guy named Steve. He's still my favorite human being to the date, and dude, we were hiking. What the fuck, dude, he's incredible. I mean, you're you're my you're my very good friend, but this guy, you'd even be like, Honor, he's way cooler than you. He's just so fucking interesting. Every single time we started talking about something, I was like, How do you know so much about this extremely odd subject? He's like, Oh, he's like, Oh, I was a trapper for like a dozen years. <laughs> I said, like, what? So he was telling He's me had about 13 lives. Yeah, dude. He was telling me about being a trapper and and trapping foxes and how intelligent they were and how he would spend like years trying to catch like one fox and how he'd had to keep on going to other trappers to talk about this fox. And then it made me really just think. And I was like, God, the fox is actually really the most powerful animal out that I know out there. Because you can catch. You can catch a cat, you can catch a like a bear, you can get all these things, but damn, you can't catch a fox. Mm-hmm. And the he's fox be is not elusive. Oh, dude, they're yeah. geniuses. This guy said mm-hmm. that the fox literally could set off any trap that he had, and he had to get so good that he had to put on gloves, but then all of a sudden the he scent. recognized the scent of the gloves, so then he had to put on a thing over that, and he said it was just so intelligent, and then all of a sudden he recognized he had to put on special boots out of the car, he had to get out and step into his boots out of the car because they bring scent from the house of the dogs. Like it was insane. And he could not catch these things. And then all of a sudden, once he got the formula down, he could catch it. But it, at that point, it was like a Harvard level PhD on fox catching <laughs> yeah. to catch fox. And like that's what I would say about you, dude. The reason why you're so unique, you may not be the biggest, you may not be like the strongest, you may not be the fastest, mm-hmm. but you're the fox. And like I recognized that when I was competing in Broken Skull Ranch, I was always the guy at the disadvantage. But like, I remember one time I told everybody that I wrestled against this guy who was far stronger than me. I had to use the skill of the possum. I played dead for the entire wrestling match of him just beating the fucking piss out of me. And then I just listened to his heart rate and his breathing. And I was like, now, now. it's time to strike. Go now. Yeah. Yep. You're playing dead weight. Of- yeah, dude. But that's the same thing for you. When you're talking mm-hmm. about pulling that rope, you're like, this dude's going to fucking pull in three, two, one, let go. And I knew you have to make that. You have to you have to throw your ego out. You know, a lot of people like to come in there and they just walk in. They go, I'm going to smash. I'm going to smash. I'm going to smash. I walk Who's in there the easiest and go, people to beat. He's he's better than me yeah. at this. He is better than me. So you need to figure it out. Yeah. And, you know, and then you just start figuring it out. And I knew this is not going to be quick. This is not going to be easy. And you're going to have my you know, you, you know, my, my whole thing is take them into deep water. Yeah. Right. Everyone can swim in the shallows, but let's, let's make it even when we all go out in the deep, you know? Sorry. I had to get that burp out of my system. It's okay, man. So what's next for you, dude? Like you're, you're a fucking star. Like that is fun to witness. I really do like witnessing people who are really good at their craft. Are are we going to go into, um, what the expectation or preview is for uh run because you've got bike expectation and uh, run, run. uh swim expectation i think five hours i'd love yeah five hours that's what i'm thinking five miles an hour that's not that crazy we're talking about 12 minute miles mm-hmm. yeah. yeah um and that's gonna be a like a keep moving thing 
We're yeah, just yeah, yeah. Just keep moving because once you stop and everything starts to slow down, and your heart rate goes down. It gets it gets up. Yeah, it's keep moving and it's it's gonna be take what the terrain gives you. Yeah, dude, you know? enjoy the downhills. Mm-hmm. Just enjoy the downhills. Enjoy uh, we're going to get poles after this, aren't like, yep. like I'm yeah. setting myself up for poles. Got to have the right shoes, all that kind of stuff. I'm gonna do a shoe change in the middle. Really? Yeah. You got I, that opportunity? What do you mean? I didn't know we could do a shoe change in the middle. Why like can't there's an aid station that we can bring our stuff to. Because I think you're out in the middle of fucking nowhere, dude. You're gonna have your pit crew. All right. I didn't they know can, they can. They're, they're meet you anywhere. Them. You just have to stop with them. It can't be like a hand. I thought for some reason there's a major chunk that they're like there, from like a, yeah. four until like eighteen. There's no help. No, it's it's not. It's not. I'm pretty that sure he said that. There there is a big chunk. It's a like fourteen they, mile they, section. Maybe if so, so the run start. What I've what I've seen on the course is the run starts uh, four miles downhill, and then you go into like fourteen miles. That's just like trails and uphill. Yeah. And maybe it's that fourteen mile stretch that we like can't take anything. But at at some point, I'm going to change shoes because I have a. I I just really think that our feet are going to need. My feet are going to want to change of like position. Right. Okay. Like each, each, shoe, like I'll probably take a, a Nike and an Asics or something different. Trail shoes, right? Yeah. Trail shoes. Okay. Or, or I actually, hey, actually, I'll be using my, my speed goats. Okay. Right? So I'll probably take some, uh, after this week going shopping. Yeah. Well, exactly. But I just, I just want my feet to get in multiple positions and not stuck in, in one position because I want them to be able to move. That's going to be a big deal is just, because your muscles and everything, they kind of stop working as much to protect your skeletal system when you're super tired. So it's going to be, I, I just, just trim your toenails, put a bunch of lube yep. down there. Like that's the best thing I can suggest to anybody. Blister, Take care of your feet. And, yeah. Blisters and stress fractures and things like that are like the number one things that I like want to look out for. Poles will help with that. Poles the majority help. of the race is on a ski slope, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're, well, we start at, uh, start at solitude. And which is a which is a ski resort. Yeah, I, I grew up going to um, Solitude and Brighton. Shout out, um, big deal. Yeah, uh, but we start in Solitude and we end in Park City, which is a whole another ski resort. It's gonna be a rough day. Yeah. So yeah, fill me back in, dude. Like we're we're now at this part where you've just been an absolute dominant champion of the show. Like, how much longer do you think you're gonna run this thing? Like, what's I don't know if you even have a timeline for it. Like, what's kind of the What's the design of your life at this point? Because it's very interesting, but do you have even like, I'm having the conversation of when I'm going to retire. Is there, is that even a consideration at this point? For, for me, the challenge has always, I've always viewed it as like this thing that I'm so, so lucky to do. And I know it will not be forever. Um, in this moment in time, the, the franchise is just exploding. Right. Viacom and CBS merged a couple of years ago and CBS just loves the challenge. And so they, we've got all these new spinoffs and everything. So it feels like the franchise has like a long history ahead of it. I, but at the same time, it's the, it's show business and, and the entertainment industry is crazy. And so change at any time. Exactly. Well, the, the, the Jersey Shore people are still making uh yearly shows or, or even season by season they're they're going on vacation and samantha's coming back and now that's a whole new element and they're, they're still running it from like 2010 they've been on the air will you right. explain to me why the hell these fuckers won't let me on your show it's it, who am i gonna have to fight because i will you I know you're, i know i don't i don't know you know the people this is like the probably the number one question i get is like people slide my dms and stuff all the time or email me like you'll get me on the show and i'm like okay one 
if you think I have that much power to make casting decisions, like you are wild. Dude, that's why I don't ask you to like, you think put I'm me like on the Mark, show. I know I'm you're Mark not... Burnett, you know, like just. I know Mark. I see him at the gym all the time. Then how do you, how are you not on Survivor? Dude, I, I have conversations with him. I was like, the first, one of the first times I ever met Mark, I was like, yo, do you know I'm hosting it? Like, I, I've seen all the stuff you've done. Like, I, I host a television show traveling around the world doing like all those kind of races. He's like, cool. Yeah. Like, that was fucking it. And yeah. I was like, great. Yeah. I hope you trip over the dumbbell behind you and hit your head because you're giving me zero, zero nice vibes. Yep. I don't have anything against him, but like how unique is it that in the same gym, the small gym in Malibu that you used to be this guy used to travel around the world doing the extremist race, most extreme races. And now you host a television show. I've got my own show. We could vibe a little bit right now, Yeah. but you're giving me zero. Yeah, I'm best get, friends with this trainer. I'm in like, his, in his world, every Every other person comes up to him and goes, I'd be perfect for your show. No, I, I didn't even mention that. I know, I know, but he knew what you were talking about. We're just shooting the shit. I know. If you I'm come up to me and saying, say, like, hey, I do high rocks. I'm like, that's awesome, man. Congrats. Like, cool. Like, what's your next race? That's what a human does. Right. But you wouldn't immediately go to, oh, yeah, well, then come be on my show or come do this with me. No, I wouldn't expect it. It's just funny that I see that guy in the gym and I'm just like, all right, I guess this is just it. Yeah. Is, I mean, is this the case? Is this the reason? Uh, shout out why they, they don't want Hunter because he'll be too dominant. They've seen Broken Skull and they aren't ready for such a dominant force coming through. I mean, Jordan's won it four years in a row, but it'd be good I'm to have. Yeah, if like if we were if Hunter and I were in the gym, Hunter's gonna smash me. The the, the issue with the challenge is, it's you don't get to you you get no practice. Yeah, you have no idea what you're gonna do and you get no practice. It's not just run down here and do it's not just physical it's no. mental it is so mental and it i is fully so respect it wonky things i mean come on one of the things that we do every year is trivia yeah that's so what people said matter, like you know you dominate savage you are but what if okay so if i'm if i'm literally if, if this is if this is my game and you're on the game i'm literally waiting we call them equalizers we all we have some very physical challenges but every now and then they throw a challenge the in puzzles there. and shit like that I, don't, yeah. I have no clue what's gonna happen exactly like if you gave me a rubik's cube i would have no clue if i would do well against you right and and that is we, we that's why we call them equalizers because like this could be a stud so and it we we come up to a challenge where it's like it, it's a puzzle or something so you don't win and you're not safe well then we're gonna we're gonna put you in and then you could go into an elimination where it's a puzzle again yeah so it doesn't matter how much you bench like look at all these these dudes that I go up against they're all stronger than me they're all bigger than me Josh on the on the the tug of war yeah Josh is six three two thirty. But you're the fox. And 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 he should have been able to pull that rope. And he was. He was able to literally, like, he could just go, her, and, like, the rope would just slide through my hand, you know, and whenever he wanted to, and he'd do a bit. And I'm like, all right, well, that's what it is. So I, I knew I had to outsmart them. And that is the thing is people always ask me, too, what's it take to win the challenge? Luck. A little bit of luck. You got to get the right elimination, the right person, because you could get the wrong elimination against the wrong person. You could get a dude who's a scrub athlete, but he's smart. Yep. And you're doing a you're doing a big math problem. Right. Mm -hmm. And like all you had to do was like go underwater to to find all your numbers. You might have found your numbers faster, but he knows the math problem, then he just smoked your ass. You know, people all the time, like the athlete gets to the puzzle part and then they get stuck. And then this like brainiac or whatever who's like a very mid athlete, they get there and they're like, oh, do 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 makes the show interesting. Exactly. Anybody could win. So what's the next step for you? I mean, are you planning? I mean, you're like, we didn't even get into this, but like, you know, you've got race car driving, you've got your own production stuff. Mm -hmm. You've got, Apparently, are you a singer too? the work song? Um, yeah. You know, I, uh, my ex was, 
I, I love music and is this you? Yeah. Yeah, I got a couple songs on Spotify, bro. Really? Yeah. I know about your life. So 92,000 plays on this song. You know? You know? Savage. I know. A little little side income from the music. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, it's uh I the challenge to go back to like the challenge is is something I've always seen is like this is a great opportunity and it's awesome to have there but I am so focused on the and that was never a dream to be on the challenge it was just this amazing opportunity that's come up and it's blessed me in so many ways and like thrown me into these other industries that I can have the little leg up I'm not I'm not blind to that you know like it's hard to become an actor and a producer and things like that but if you come from a portion of the entertainment world it helps and I've always wanted to do that stuff so for me I'm going to take the challenge as it comes. I Most people don't know. I say no to the challenge way more than I say yes. Had I, had I never turned down a show, I'd be on like... They got to come to daddy. 16 or 7. You know? Yeah. Um, but I say no because when you, when you leave to do a challenge, you're gone for two to three months. You have no connection to the outside world. So it, it really puts a pause on everything in your life. And I just have so much that I want to do. You know? So what are some of these outside focuses that people... I want to know about. Yeah. No. So I own a production company. And yeah. we make our own, and I love creating, whether it's uh, building things in construction, uh, whether it's uh, making movies and videos. I love doing commercials. Like I've made commercials for Microsoft and T-Mobile and these amazing companies. And we've done super cool stuff. So I love doing that. I love building things with my hands and, and just figuring problems out. And that's what production is. You're just constantly figuring out the problems of what you're doing to try and get this product. So um, I just saw a shot a movie in Boston uh, two you, two weeks ago. You're a gangster. You like Pablo Escobar? No, this is the it, one that you were in the jail. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. in the jail. I had yeah. I put clips of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so doing a lot of. I have a lot of filming slated, but but uh, this year I became a professional race car driver. And that's something that fucking love it. I call him every weekend when he's out there. As a as a kid, this is what I've I grew up racing motocross, and then you know that that hurts when you fall a lot more than being in a rat cage. Yep. And uh, so I have always loved cars and everything. Got the opportunity to to get in a car and ended up being pretty fast. You're racing for Hyundai. Uh, racing for Hyundai, yeah, Hyundai Motorsports. And uh, I was an ambassador for them, you know, just a brand ambassador. And then they brought me out to an event and I ended up getting in a race car and ended up going fast. It's literally days of thunder. I got in somebody else's race car, went fast, and they're like, you want to drive? So you're like Tom yeah. Cruise. You rolled up on the motorcycle and a I jacket? Am, I am cold trickle. You're, you're, you're this day's a &A, or this day and age Ricky Bobby. Yes. I want to go fast. Dude, and he gets yeah, there. Scene, like, like, scene where they're in the in the hospital. Racing? Yeah, that's us. That is that was gonna be us. That's gonna be us after starvation <laughs> when, when we're when we're getting wheeled out of the hospital after our kidneys. Such fell. a good movie. Why don't they make movies like that anymore? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, and you know, Tom Cruise had a hand in like writing that film too. So. Tom Cruise is the greatest person in movie history. So I so going back to the challenge again. Whenever we pull up to to like we do some pretty cool like action hero things. You know, some stunty stuff. And every time we pull up to those, I literally look at everybody. I go, well, everyone, today we get to be Tom Cruise. So en enjoy this. Win or lose, enjoy what we're doing because we work with the best stunt team and the best rigging team in the world. Yeah. Our, our team worked on the Matrix Trilogy. They worked on Nolan's Batman. They worked on Mad Max. They are the guys. So when we get thrown off of buildings and when we're jumping from semi-truck to semi-truck going down a tarmac, we I, I feel super confident in the team that we have to just go out there and compete you know and and i always say, I was like yo we get to be tom cruise today we get to be action heroes today so just enjoy this 
Fuck yeah. So, you know, I'm going to keep doing the challenge when I can, but race racing cars now i'm gonna i'm gonna really really push um this year i'm racing basically the second half of the the imsa sports car championship yep and it's a very low expectation season hyundai and the daily motorsports team which is the team i'm racing for they said go out learn and just have fun and what's then, the level you're aspiring to get to um i mean we're at the highest level of sports car racing now yep. um i'd love to dip my foot into nascar Doing ovals, I think, would be kind of fun. Um, and just, I, I want to get into, really what I where I want to be is GT racing. I think it'd be super awesome to be doing the European series, getting to travel the world. Is that like supercar level, like GT three type stuff? That's exactly what it is. Yeah. yeah. So you know, it's it's Porsche, McLaren. You know, Porsche runs their GT three. McLaren runs the seven twenty S. Lamborghini runs the Huracan. Um, Acura runs their NSX. It's it is the supercar series. Ferrari runs their SF ninety or the four eighty eight Pista. Um, so yeah, I'd love to get there. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, have you seen the the, uh, off-road Lambo? I got to get one for the ranch, right? Yeah. That's the only thing you get up to my house with a V10. And that's, and so to to yours, like that, that's a, that's a great point. T-Dog. It is, I want to, racing is one of those things that just being around it, being in the pits and stuff. You get you you can come happen onto some amazing opportunities, and I'd love to go do like Dakar right over over in the desert, and I'd, I'd, I I want to run the Baja. Dude. I want to get some friends and you know and for go my run the Baja for my bachelor party. Right? Yeah, uh, that's what we're gonna do for my bachelor parties. We're gonna have a rogue cannonball oh, run. I'm gonna give all my friends oh, supercars. I'm at that level. By the time I get married, cannonball is tough because you know that is. The- Long, Johnny Long. Doesn't matter, dude. I'll pay for all the tickets. Well, if that's it, then let's go. Dude, daddy's going to print out some big paper, get us all the cars. I'm going to give about 10 people, 10, 10 cars, 20 mm-hmm. dudes. You got your teammate. You yep. got people crafting. If we do this right, like, did you see the run that they did where they went and did the cross country from a New York City to uh, Oceanside and they set the record in the S10? Uh, oh. It was either S10, sorry, I think it was an Audi a, uh, S6. Like a- A8. It was you a, sure? It was the big because they put the extra gas tank. In I the think back. it's S six. It might be an S six, but they made it look like an it interceptor. Was, it, it, was, it was a sedan. Yeah, and they did it so well. They had people ahead doing distractions, yep. all that kind of stuff. We're gonna do the same thing. It's gonna probably be like a two, three million dollar project. Who gives a shit? I'm getting married. <laughs> Let's line up. Yeah. Um, but do you just I'm risk good. it? Like I'm you in. said, it's uh, just on road, so you just have a whole bunch of like fuzzbuster police police radar detectors, and and you go as fast as you can until you see the blip of a five zero. Dude, at that point, Morningwood Radio is going to be a f- very big national show. We'll probably have some diehard fans in, in the out. in the car. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like, no, I need one of you guys to absorb Listen, a ticket. The 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 challenge. The challenge fans are strong. Strong, dude. We could now. We could we we could put a, a little bat signal out there and be like, "All right, guys, this is our route. So we're gonna need on these dates. We're gonna need some distractions. Just so, some hillbillies. Just yeah, some go let trucks out, just taking out cop cars. Yeah, go let out a thousand dollars worth of fireworks in a field far away, <laughs> far away from, far away from the interstate. So and do it at this time. Yeah, dude. If I could do race car driving, I would go after rally car. That's where I get my chubby. Nope. Nah, I'm, it's too I'm dangerous. Good. Yeah, no, no shot. I mean, we we literally just lost a, a co-driver this past really? weekend to rally. Yeah, and Where? it's it's the second driver in the last month in rally. Where? What? what in circuit? the um in the northeast the northeast 
Forest Rally. It was in uh, Vermont, New England. So was that uh, Massachusetts? I think the race team for Subaru is out of Vermont. And she raced for Subaru. Really? Yep. Fuck. I'm sorry. She, she was. She was in. Yeah. She was in a Subaru. So it's you know rally. It's man, such a crazy sport. Watching it. Oh my god. Yeah. Like on my hand. I'm literally my hands are sweating thinking about it. And like I could never. The the hardest job in that is the co-driver. Yeah. Because the that's my hardest. Like I don't know if you like I can ride motorcycles and and drive cars really fast and at a high level. You put me in the passenger seat with somebody You're else doing your it. Brain I'm out. terrified. I like, hate I'm it. just gripping everything. I'm like, like oh my fuck, god. Fuck. Yeah, and like that, and as a co-pilot, you gotta be really namaste. Yeah, that's what you're doing. You're just looking down at your paper. You're like, uh, right, one fifty three. Uh, this is a uh, left two fifty. Yeah, Have you ever seen the Indian guy going, Sevi, Sevi, you're destroying oh the God. car, Sevi? Listen to me. You have to listen to me. And he's like, not even. That was weird. That driver, I was like, I don't know what he was doing. I he was it, just like, just it was like a left, it was a left turn. He's like going straight, like through this tree. <laughs> Sevi, you must listen. I'm like, oh my God, who? would have gotten in the car with that guy in the first place. So this might be a wormhole, but Paul Walker was a very seasoned driver. And then he got into, you know, behind the wheel of the Porsche and couldn't, I think it was friend driving though. Why was his deal that, that he, he knew how to drive cars, but then this wasn't technically licensed for, uh, crazy turns. And then he just lost, uh, lost control and spun it. Look, I may butcher the story, but I think he was in a Porsche that had been stored for a while, and they said that the tires hadn't been taken care of that well. And when they tried to do something crazy, it just didn't grip, and they went into a telephone pole. Listen, there's a million things. Think about a car. Think about all the things it takes for that car to run. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And now one of them goes wrong at the wrong time. Also, we, you, we watch every week. We watch the best drivers in the world. F1, NASCAR, still rally, they still fuck up. It, 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 listen, when you are driving, you are playing with the limit, the limit of yourself and the limit of the car. And every single day, every single lap, that limit changes because your tires are not the same as what they were on the last lap. The, the weight of the car is no longer what it was, right? You, you lost fuel, down. right? Your, your tires are wearing down. Everything changes. So you could be taking this literally this past weekend, literally same thing. I've been taking this turn. I'm I'm running second place in the race. Had been leading for for a couple laps. Come around a corner. Had been taking the line all day. Had been doing this corner all day, all out. And the tires just weren't there. And this is one. The rear end just goes a little bit. It starts sliding. And now I'm doing 360. When you come back out of that 360, I'm heading straight for the wall. Oh. It's just it's the 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 you're this you're on the limit and you're and on the people, red line. You're you are literally just playing with that envelope you know and it's that's what you have to do and it, and you you if you don't you have to know where the limit is to know to know how to get there right and so if you are not spinning the car at a certain point obviously you don't want to do this in a race you're never gonna get to the next level you don't know where the point is so you have to get there and, and there are too many people in this world that are afraid to even find out yeah that's what i was just physically I, and mentally i posted about this earlier just about in the gym like there's like i was absolutely wrecking myself and i was like most people will probably look at this post and think that i'm crazy but then on the other side of the wall in this gym i've got 10 world titles and six world records mm -hmm. like i have broken myself so many times trying to figure out how to get past and you have to crash crash your body crash your car crash your business hit bankruptcy whatever the heck it is you have to find those limits or you are never, you're always going to stay in the safe zone. Yes. And nobody ever makes something incredible happen in the safe zone. Nope. 
I mean, listen, there may be this thing where all of a sudden you stay in the safe zone and like over time you slowly accrue things, but you're never going to be considered one of the greats in that in that space, unfortunately. And people get hurt, people die, people go bankrupt. I mean, that's the story because it wouldn't be interesting if it wasn't challenging, it wasn't scary, if it wasn't life-threatening. Something, something I always say, and I you can apply it to pretty much everything. Usually it's in the like talking about money or something. And I always say, hey, you'll always make more. Yeah. Whether it's memories, whether it's money, no matter what it is, you can always do it again. You can always make more. Dude, so, the world's so a game. There's so many reset go buttons. Go for it. Yeah. Go for it. I'm I'm 33 years old and I feel like at this point I've lived probably five different lives and I'm ready to do another 30 of them, you know, because I want to try. Earlier early in the show, you said, what gets you up? And I said, you know, I don't want to be ordinary, but I also, I want, I have things I want to try. I want to do these things, but I know like for, for us, for guys like us, we don't just like, I'm going to dabble in this. I know that. And so when I go into something new, like, like triathlon, I had never done a triathlon in my life. And then all of a sudden I was like, you know what? I'm going to do a triathlon, finish second overall at that one. And then immediately went to us nationals. Yeah. Cause I'm just like, well, if we're doing it, I'm doing it. And that's in everything I do. And so that's what people think like that. I want to know. I love this saying, Hunter. Sorry to cut you off, but I love this saying. Hard times make hard men. Yeah. Hard men make easy times. Easy times make soft men. Soft men make hard times. Hard times make hard men. We're in a time right now, it's easy times. And most of the product that I'm that I'm looking around at, they're soft men. Yeah. And that's man. I'm just you saying can't. man. It's soft. Like as a society, we are Everybody. soft. If it, if I can't door dash it, I don't want it. If you know, <laughs> if it ain't if it ain't handed right to me, then I don't want to go get it. You know. Yeah, the next generation is going to be scary. I think they're just in this place where everything is electronically delivered, instant gratification. Yeah, it's um, they're only doing things. Not everyone. There's obviously there's allies, but for the most part, people are doing things for recognition. They're doing things <laughs> for fame. You know, and like Alex just said, Morningwood Radio is full of hard men. That was that was a good one. <laughs> so, yes. that being said, you know, you you're taking this time to do the starvation triathlon. You're a race car driver. You've got it all. Like, if you could lay down on your ranch, I was picturing this actually when I was thinking about it. Do you remember in um, that movie Castaway, the very end where he delivers the package to that woman out there on that farm? Yeah. I'm imagining you're gonna live somewhere like that. Yeah, way it's, out there. The, the only the only difference is that like on my farm, instead of agriculture, it'll be like there's a racetrack over yep. there for the cars. There's a motor track. But over that's there. the dirt field I'm gonna have to drive through to get to you. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yes, you will. I'm already looking for land out in Oklahoma and Texas now. I hope you find it, dude. I'm gonna come visit. Come on. What do you want to be remembered for, and how do you want to kind of you know how do you want to cast out those last days? What uh, are you gonna be sitting on the porch thinking about? Looking the, back on. Oh, yeah. All the lives I live. I want, I want people to say, like, I don't care if it's like he was the greatest in this or great. I want people to say, that dude lived. Yeah. That dude did it. He did that triathlon. He tried this sport. He tried that. He, he failed at this. It was hilarious that he failed at that. It was amazing to watch him triumph at this. But the dude lived. He failed. He succeeded. And he moved people around him. There, I, like, I just want... I want to help people. Like, you know, it's like we're on the challenge. I'm the biggest. Cheer- Not only am I the toughest competition, I'm the biggest cheerleader. I will tell everybody 
how to do the challenge. I'll tell you the best way to do it because I want everyone to do great. Everything that I do, it's not fun I competing against to be great. people that are not in a good position to do well. Yeah. It's not fun to eat, beat somebody or chew them up and they're not in a great position. I want to move. I want to be able to see me and I want people to say, well, if he can do it, I can do it. Yeah, go do it. Please, please go do it. Everyone go out there, suffer a little bit. I always say this. You'll pass out before you die. Yeah. You'll find out. Oh, dude, I'm excited about what's going to happen next. You've been a great friend of mine for a long time, one of my best training partners. We've definitely gone through some hard stuff, but I think this is the first time we've ever come together and really tested it. Yep. So, I mean, like, I will accept failure if failure is the only option, but I don't think it's the option for us. No, I don't think so. Yeah. And I, I go into this thing with fear and hope. I think that's a beautiful place to be. If you're not in a place where fear and hope are combined, like absolute fear, that's a shitty place. Yeah. Only hope, you're probably too soft of a place. Mm -hmm. If you're combining the two of them, you're like, you're pretty fearful, but you're pretty hopeful. That's a beautiful place to be. Yeah. Oh, I'm terrified. Yeah. I yep. know, I know it's going to hurt mentally. We're going to get, we're going to go through it. We're going to have times of being like, what the fuck are we doing this? And then you're going to tell like, this is fucking wonderful. Yeah. And then right back to what the fuck do we do this? Hey, speaking of, of what uh, Iron Cowboy said, uh, of cramping and, and you going through that this last weekend, he, he brought up a point and he kept talking about it, hammering it about swishing around in your mouth uh, uh, pickle juice. Are you going to, have that on on hand and, and i didn't realize how important and he's like you don't gotta drink it you don't gotta swallow it you just gotta swish it in your mouth and then it like you don't remember this it, it triggers the the mind to to not go into cramp mode and he's like if you're going into cramp mode you haven't done xyz and then so if you swish the the pickle juice you remember <laughs> this I, I i hear about pickle juice all the time for cramps and i don't know if uh i'd rather bring a meth pipe obviously you know rich rich froning <laughs> yeah. um I watched a, a video a couple of years ago where he and some buddies, they went and did an Ironman or is it Ironman or half Ironman or something like that. Yeah. Uh, it was a big triathlon. And, you know, those are big dudes moving around and Beefy. The, the whole more, the, the whole night before they're all like sitting there with their pickle. They're all just drinking pickle juice, getting ready. So apparently it does help big time with cramps. They are cramped, yeah. but you know, they it's weren't the, drinking it during it's the acidity. Yeah. It's, it's, your, it's, it it's, it's the salt and the vinegar that's in there. It tricks your brain. I don't know. I mean, I think there's going to be a ton of different things that will get you. I think, you know, the cold, the mixture of everything. I I, I don't, I have I my own version. Be, be cold no, yeah, I'm saying like you, if oh. you can combine cold, like if you can put cold up here on parts of your neck while racing, all of a sudden it will drop your core temperature down. Oh yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Managing core temp. So there's a, there's a ton of studies that come out that have come out in the recent years that it's like, actually you perform way better in the cold. Yeah. Than of the course, hot, dude. With, I mean, even though you feel better in the hot, but you perform way better. Just your core temperature, dude. When you start, when your body starts to overheat, your capacity starts to, you know, basically overtaken. You cannot hold capacity at he high heat, and that's why you sweat. Um, a company gave us just a bunch of, uh, just gave us a bunch of these like ice cold things that you could put underneath your triathlon suit. I'm not going to mention the name of the company, but it did not work out. It was kind of a piece of shit. No, yeah, we we actually use in, in the uh, race car drive. in the race cars. We that's what he was pitching us. Cool suits. Yeah, he was pitching us. It did not work. Our buddy was in Texas, and he said it went fucking full blown room temperature in twenty minutes, and he had it in the freezer the whole night before. But yeah, I know yeah. it works. So we we in in the race cars we use uh, things called a uh, cool suit because we're in the we I do endurance racing, so yep. it's the race is either two hours or four hours. Now in one hour of racing it's a so it's 140 degrees roughly average of 140 inside degrees in, inside the car yeah so in an hour of racing i usually lose eight to ten pounds 
yeah. in and out. I'm just straight sweat. And so you're just sitting, you're, you're in your full Nomex, you know, uh, lawn johns plus a race suit over that, plus your helmet and balaclava, all right, which uh, the head sleeve. So you're just pouring sweat. The whole thing, your entire suit, everything's so gross. But we have gone to now the team. We we used to not cool use cool suits, but we you absolutely need them. And so now what what they are is you put the vest on underneath everything. It's got hoses all over the vest that is pumping cool tech, water. Yeah, and there is a, an ice chest. You know, a, a small like ice jug yep. in in the car that has a little pump in it, and that's just pumping. Ice you know, they cold created water. this originally to help out horses that broke their bo- uh, bones. Makes sense. Yeah. Um. I mean, so we're ending things here now. We've been rocking this thing for about two hours, which is our definitely our max level. Where can people find you? What do we expect to see you in next? Like, what do you got going on so that our fans can become your fans? Yeah, um, I'm 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 easy man. Instagram and YouTube. That's that's where I'm at. Uh, that's where Big Daddy's at. Yeah, I don't I don't really I don't have time. I don't have the want to to do all the other stuff. Um, but YouTube. Are right you on Threads now? No, no, I get no, fuck I, Threads. I know you know, I, I, I got, I got the amount of away. privacy that you have to sign away on that. Like one guy went through, it's like, oh, you got to do this. You you're signing away this, this, and this, and you're like, damn, that's a lot. That's a lot of privacy. Yeah, like, again, sex, not religion, the- uh, political background. Like, why do you need to know this for me to post? I just ate a ham sandwich today. Like, you don't need that. It's a, it's a Twitter s type of full platform, and you need to know my religious history. Look, for the last couple of years. Has anyone like this? Is, this is a real question. Has anybody felt like that Meta has your best interest at heart? All the censoring of everything, and so no. you mean to tell me they've mm-hmm. had the time to sit there and think about other ways that they could control their narratives and censor and things like that, and then they started a new one. And now, mm-hmm. as soon as you join that one, this is a dark. You're old. You're old. So, so the your Instagram. Your Instagram and your Facebook are now linked with that with with threads. So now if you could join, like I just want to check it out and then be like, yeah, it's not really for me. Twitter wasn't for me. And now this isn't for me. You can't delete that threads because yeah. it's now linked with and and mind you, Instagram and stuff, it like I know it's social media, but it's a biz it is a big business for some oh, people. 100%, is, dude. It, a lot of money. Selling your information, there. all this kind of stuff. So just creating a profile about you that they can literally target you in any which way possible. They have yep. every metric. They know what you're looking at, they know mm-hmm. how much time you spend on your phone, they know the people that you're messaging. And they're basically just like if you could shut off all the lights and it just shows ropes going in every single direction of what you do all day long, and they've got this profile on you. Yep. And it's creepy as all hell. And like, if you think about it, you realize how stupid you are. You're like, hey, man, this thing's just storing all my pictures. It's great. Like, no, you big dummy. Like, you are now a case study for them to sell shit to you. Why do you think Congress all this? Oh, you think Congress just like started liking social media and that's why they started talking about TikTok? No, it's because China is now wanting to do the same thing that we do to our people. And so they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, dude, those people it's are definitely not just like dancing videos. Yeah. There's a reason that Congress got involved. It's not money. It's information. It is data on Control us. the information. They can literally, with, through your TikTok, China knows exactly where you are and where you've been. Dude, you know what's so freaky? So I have that Opal app. Mm-hmm. And Opal is this thing that censors the amount of time you're on your screen, and you can specifically select apps or categories to control and basically keep you off of. So this, oh fuck, um, I got to take this call in a second. Basically, dude, this this whole thing is set up where I now can see that TikTok is still tracking running. my phone and yep. running it all the time. 
Um, you got to ask app not to track. Yeah. That's what you got to do. I don't know how to fucking do it. Guys, I actually have to balance. This is a call that I've been waiting for for a long time. Morning with radio. I love you guys. Dude, Jordan, I've had the greatest time ever. This is the longest running show we've ever done. I will uh, I will catch up with you guys later. I'm over and out. You guys will see us at the Starvation Triathlon. Two fucking weeks. You're looking at two beautiful finishers. <laughs> boys and girls. It's going to hurt. Go do something fun today. All right, boys and girls. Out. Later, later. Hey, T-Dog. Great ca- chatting with you. Great to see you. Uh, okay, what are we 